Phoebe. I'm Clancy. And I'm Damien. You might be asking, what do two Aussies and a POM have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face on all our currencies. Even the coins. There's a great Union Jack floating around some flags as well. And we speak the same language, sort of. Somehow. Allegedly. Have we love winding each other up? What are we doing here then? Winding you up. But anyway, on this show we discuss current Australian politics. We take a look at past events. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. What? I didn't sign up for this. What? It's in the show's name, Phoebe. Welcome to Let's Save the Governor General. No, I don't want to. Kick him out. What about her? Or her. No, let's <laughs> just not have a governor general. Let's have a republic. With who is, pre- <laughs> with who is president? Not ScoMo. President ScoMo. President ScoMo. No, President Julia Gillard. President Craig Kelly. Good evening. Daniel Andrews will become Victoria's longest-serving Labor Premier after a crushing election win that's reshaped the state's political landscape. The fallout has been swift and savage for the Liberal Party, with Matthew Guy quitting as leader. State political reporter Chanel Vella begins tonight's coverage. Four more years summed up in one word. Yes. As a room full of Labor diehards cheered him on, got diehards. Gave a nod to the pandemic. Paul Keating once said to me, "You are corrupt. Leadership isn't about doing what's popular. Leadership is about doing what's right." Corrupt, corrupt. And another to the at times spiteful mood of the campaign. All right. Well, uh, welcome to this uh, slightly special post-Victorian election edition of Let's Save the Governor General. As usual, uh, well, I'm I'm in the hot seat, and uh, as usual, I'm joined by two of the funniest, funniest and most astute amateur political commentators one could find on social media. That's what you said before, Damien. (laughs) I I called you lovely. Okay, shall I call you lovely? Lovely, Clancy. Call her, call, her, call her someone that's in the groove. She's in, in the groove. groove. Okay. She's uh, groovy, and therefore she's uh, in the groove. Okay. Tish. Uh, firstly, I'll talk to someone who hasn't lost a bet, and that is Clancy. Clancy, good evening. Good evening, Damien. Good evening. Well, actually, good morning, Phoebe. Good morning, Phoebe, yes. Well, good morning to you, yeah. wonderful humans that I didn't see last week, that we almost tried to oh, do yeah. this last week, but yes, we did miserably. <laughs> We, uh, so, so did you guys do the live cross last night in the end? Uh, I, I did. I did. And, uh, oh, by yourself? By myself, yes. Or by his jack, because you didn't tell me when. And... No, because I kind of uh, lost lost track of time as well. <laughs> and he forgot so... that there's 11 hours between Damien and myself. Only 11. Only 11. Only 11. Only 11 hey, uh, spe- so... speaking, of, uh, speaking of mysterious voices that are pop. Hey, Phoebe, why is that on your head? I, have, I do have to ask. Mm. I must so ask. Last weekend, so as, last weekend. as of time of recording, a week ago, <laughs> I was in Manchester, England. Manchester. And I saw my wonderful wheelchair rugby team absolutely and thoroughly come close to losing against the French. <laughs> but we won. Yay! Like Daniel Andrews on the screen. And it was a fantastic game. It was a world record attendance, I'd like to say. It was a world record attendance. Very good. Four and a half thousand. 
Oh, that's not bad. That's yeah. That is really good. It's... The Manchester because it was a standalone event as well. So it was mm, in the eight. Manchester. It was in the Manchester Central Arena. It was all on its own. So it wasn't like being helped along by other bigger events. It was all by itself. No. Four and a half thousand yeah. people turning up to the Rugby League World Cup final. England v France was fantastic. But, but then the weekend but then. before, my England teams let me down. Oh no! What are they? What what did they do? Lost against New Zealand and yeah. Samoa. Oh. oh dear! A certain NRL fan who is in the hot seat. Realised realised that his green and gold teams had made both finals, and Lucky I stupidly us. agreed to a bet that if both of those teams won, I'd wear the Australia cap. Whereas he, if he'd lost, he'd have to wear an England cap. Uh-huh. And guess what happened? Guess what happened? Uh, I'm not wearing an England cap. And I'm wearing an Australia cap. Well, there you go. That that explains. But good to see you are in good spirits, Phoebe. I am always. in good spirits a... because the wheelchair rugby league final was absolutely fantastic. The atmosphere right. in the rugby league was fantastic. And it was really great to see a tier two nation make the final. It really was mm-hmm. lovely to see Samoa make the final. And oh look! It, it's it's good. it's also good that like disabled sport is getting more absolutely. of a, like more publicity and more respect and appreciation. I will say this. I will say this. We did beat you in one tournament. The one-day international are... cricket. Okay, we won that. That's another thing we beat you at. Yeah, I know. That's but then we... We had the, but then we had the, the five-day one-day series that we won't talk about. We won't talk yeah, no, about that's that. A, we won't no, that's talk not... about that. <laughs> but what I will say is that England are also the physical disability is rugby league world champions beating you Australians. Yep, they get they get around guess round of applause as well. So out of four uh, spe- World Cups that were available, <laughs> the Disability World Cup, so the wheelchair and the physical disabilities World Cup went to England. Whereas well, the men's and least, women's uh, able-bodied World Cups went to your no, Australians. No, that's uh, well, there you go. We uh, two two a piece, two a piece. But uh, speaking of uh, people who were champions in the victors and uh, singing while they're winning, Daniel Andrews. So last night was the uh, was the. 2022 Victorian state election, and that was won somewhat comfortably by the Labor Party, which has installed Daniel Andrews as Premier for a uh, an almost historic third term. If he gets to, I think, uh, July next year, he will overtake John Kane as Victoria's longest-serving Premier. How has there That's not been impressive. a spill against this man? Well, no, unless it's a spill. That is, uh, that, well, we'll have to say. How has there well, not been a spill against uh, this man? Well, that's a as as, inter- as was as was quite nicely pointed out to me. This man keeps being hauled in front of the Victorian <laughs> yeah, equivalent. Yes, in front <laughs> of royal commissions <laughs> and anti-corruption commissions. Um, now, I'm going to throw up a so name. He, so he keeps getting, he, yeah, he keeps getting dragged in front of the equivalent of ICAC, for goodness sakes. Yes, that's a... Um, I was going to throw up a name that you two may or may not know. Joe Bjocchi peterson Oh, my God. Isn't this the now, family first, dickhead? Uh, l- l- no, no, he's not. Uh, he's not family first. No, no, he no, was no. pre-family first. 
Oh, he was jo- pre-family first. Joe Bjorki-Peterson was the long, long, yeah, premier of Queensland, and he was famous for the gerrymander. Ah, he was a gerrymander yeah. master. He was the gerrymander master, yes. And the reason why we bring up gerrymandering is, uh, if you can see on the on the screen here, what we see is that between the three major parties, Labor got thirty five percent of the vote, and Liberal Nationals got th- so thirty seven percent and thirty five percent respectively. But look at the number of seats won. Also, look at the Green Party. And the Green, Green Party, oh, yes. So, so the Greens the Green got, Party 11... got nearly 10, 11% of the vote. And in a house that's got 101 seats in it, mm-hmm. they got four. I don't think, uh, I think 90, I think it's actual. Uh, uh, need, 82 from, uh, sorry, um, sorry, I'm getting my numbers confused they here. gained need... one seat. Yeah. Yes. So, so I'm getting my numbers confused here. So. It was 45 for a majority. So it is yes. 89 is the number of seats. So out of 89 seats, they should have nine seats based on <laughs> the number of votes they got. They got four. Of the proportion, yes, of the proportionality, yes. And I think However, age, um, I think the age show this better, Damo. Uh, I think the age if you do, show this better. If you do happen to have... in age. Okay, if you do happen to have a link, uh, feel free to send it to me and I'll, br- I'll put it up on the screen. It is but yeah, in the it is on the app that we're currently using. Uh, technology, in don't the make chat. me. In the yes. chat, don't Yes, I see. I, I, okay, chat, private. Oh, look at that. Here is Jerry from The Age. I'm going to share this tab instead. Look at that. Look at that. So that's lovely look. visuals that you've got here. So look, you've got yes. the ALP. Look at that. That, that I is, know. That, look at look mad. at the votes. Look at the votes. That's uh, something I mean, does seem no a little independence elected. Yet not they got not 5% yet. Of the vote. Mm. Other parties got over ten percent of the vote. Yet you don't see any representation for any of the other parties at all. No. Um. Uh, the others. The other uh, parties are a bit bonkers, though. The other parties mm, are a bit bonkers. True. True. Um, now looking, uh, where was it? Was uh, do that? Do they have the? Oh, they don't have the uh, the upper house uh, results. Well, I, can inter- get you so, the, I can get you the upper house results. Like uh, you can, yes. Uh, there are some interesting results coming from that way, but um, yeah, there wasn't quite enough of a. So there was a six percent swing against the Labor Party, but that's not quite enough to shift them, shift them from power. The upper house. No, so the Liberals suffered a 0.14% swing against them, um, and yeah, the others uh, did did pretty well. Uh, yeah, so I th- there's two things that uh, reminds me of Joe Bjorki-Peters in in the way Dan Andrews uh, is is running running the government. One is you know this this really weird disconnect between the number of the percentage of votes and the number of seats won. That something doesn't quite add up if you get what i mean there but also the fact that as as we alluded to before that dan andrews can is has appeared before the royal commission for uh into the hotel uh, yeah well no firstly it, it was the um deaths in hotel quarantine um there was a literally a royal commission into that into who authorized the use of private contracted security guards and no one was able to give a definitive answer uh dan andrews himself himself has gone i don't quite recall 
I don't remember. That doesn't come to mind. You know, he was oh. he was that she was that shifty that the, the health minister resigned the the day after she gave testimony. So there was that. Um, there was also uh, there's a couple of IBAC uh, things going. I think at least one or two going on as well, which Dan Andrews has secretly been called in front. Uh, you had the red shirt scandal. You had the oh, branch second yes. scandal that Adam Somirek kind of you know blew up his career about. Oh. Dear. And yet, so so the one takeaway I have from all this is that I do not I do not want anyone to complain about lack of integrity in government again. You had a Truth. the Victoria had a chance Truth. to get rid of a government that was slowly becoming more of a fiefdom rather than a party that governs for the good of the people, and they didn't. So. And yet- and yet, and they yet. still thought more of them than they did of the LNP. Yes, they did. Well, the what LNP. This is this, this is this is the only thing I can say is that just how far from the apple tree is the LNP when it comes to the electorate in well, one of the most populous states in Australia? Uh, what do you mean? I mean. I mean, this is a man who in any other country would have been lynched by the electorate. I mean, look at Boris Johnson. Look at Boris Johnson. He was out of office and his party is heading for electoral oblivion at the next election. Yes, oblivion, yep. Rishi's going to ride that train as long as he can. His party, the Conservative Party the Conservative and Genius Party, could end up being the fourth largest party after the next election. Ooh, yikes. They could go from government to the fourth largest party because they're not going to win any seats in Scotland. They're all going to the Scottish Nationalist Party and people are deserting the Tories like they're going out of fashion and Labour and the Liberal Democrats are going... (laughs) I mean... Uh, So Keir Starmer is uh, getting his best suit on. He is, but whether he'll get over the threshold to actually govern by himself is another matter. Mm, yes. But corruption drives people out of government in the UK. I mean, look at John Major in the 1990s. Cash for questions, scandal after scandal after scandal when it came to corruption. Martin Bell and the man in the white suit against Neil Hamilton, the man with the grey cloud over his head. I mean... That was a corruption scandal, and the safest Tory seat in the country was lost to an independent former war reporter wearing a white suit for crying out. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. This is what corruption should do to politicians. Yes. It should drive them out of office. Integrity is something you need because they're stealing your money and taking it from you and doing things that you're not supposed to. And and giving it to their mates. Giving it to their mates. And killing people in... I find it really interesting, though, that a lot of the um, news media has led with the... Uh, the fact that Dan Andrews and the ALP winning the Victorian election is a strike against um, the Murdoch press. Uh, yeah, I've, I don't I, I understand think, that. Uh, 
I think people complain about the Murdoch press for the sake of complaining about the Murdoch press nowadays. I think 10 years ago, the Murdoch press was was the elephant in the room. Now it's more of a toothless tiger that, you know, okay. Well, I mean, when when, when the Murdoch... It's not what it used to be. News no, no. got gutted, and I mean, it got professionally gutted when Fox News was swallowed up by the Disney Corporation. I mean... <laughs> just, just say that again, Phoebes. It just it rolls off the tongue. And Fox News got swallowed up by the Disney Corporation. <laughs> oh, that is horrible. That is that well. Is, okay, is Fox horrible. News didn't get swallowed up by the Disney Corporation. That was farmed off to something else. But you know, other Fox Newses around the world did get swallowed. So, for example, Sky News in the UK is no longer a Murdoch company. Sky mm-hmm. News is owned by Comcast. So the same people who run NBC in America run what used to be a Murdoch-run nonsense mongering machine. And then we replaced it with something called GB News, which is slightly right to the Kaiser. (laughs) This is the more you know, the more you know. But yeah, like I, I I think this is more. Let's save um, the media. Save democracy. Yeah, let's save. Let's save democracy. But yeah, so underlying isn't that underlying theme of this whole thing? Well, true. Yeah. Now, Matthew Guy has the charm and charisma of a sock puppet, and <laughs> I, I and I think as and, much chance of winning as I yeah. do becoming Governor General. Oh, and, and I think there are Muppets that have more charisma and uh, have and vision than the rest of the Liberal Party. Because Matthew well, Guy has actually st- so Matthew Guy's been whipped twice. Uh, he 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 led the Liberals in two thousand eighteen and got again, whipped. And Matthew Guy got whipped twice, and he must he must enjoy it because he came <laughs> he got whipped once. He must enjoy it because he good. came back he came back a second time and got whipped there are again. Three strikes rule. Um, well, yes. Um, so he has actually now stepped down as uh, the Victorian Liberals leader. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think who. The only other person I thought had the gumption to become Liberals' leader was Mr. Crash into a five-year-old girl's bedroom himself, Mr. Sim Smith. So this is the reason why Labor won, because um, the Liberals are just more of a, um, yeah, basically a car crash. (laughs) Literally. Literally. Um, Not just a car crash, but also the home of right-wing conservative evangelicals. This is well, very that's true. Always a kind of waiting to happen. Because um, Renee Heath, I don't know if the name Renee Heath uh, has uh, come across your paths at all. Is but, this the family first guy? Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, no. Uh, I'll, I'll bring. I'll try to bring up on the screen. Uh, give me. Give me a mini. Because Renee, um, Renee Heath doesn't ring a bell. Okay, let me try ring your she's, bells then. She's anti-abortion. Uh, not just not just that. She's actually her dad is part of a uh, ultra conservative international church movement called Isaac uh, International something uh, Apostolic. Oh, I forget there was like this really weird name, but it was. But here we go. Uh, let me jump to this tab, and okay, this is it here. So that's her on the on the left there, and 
Her dad is the head of City Builders Church, and oh, where was it? Where was it? Um, yeah, she said some. Well, the church itself has said some pretty uh, interesting inflammatory. things. Inflammatory. Yes, inflammatory. <laughs> I, I was going to, you know. Yeah, um, there's of conversion therapy. Yes, but they're not well, just supporters of conversion therapy against the LGBT community. They're supporters of conversion therapy who are things that don't the people that don't agree with getting married and stuff. Oh, now that's where it gets. Uh, so they're they're, interesting. they're saying that they're people who try to indoctrinate people into you must get married and you must have a patronym after your name, so you must take your husband's name. It's like I have heard of these people. They are a bit on the wild side, shall we say? Just a, <laughs> just a little bit. But not I just probably argue the opposite. Sorry, I missed that, missed that last one. But I was gonna say there was also um uh let me just find who else it was. These people uh, really are the stop the world. I want to get off people, aren't they? A little bit, a little bit. Um here we go. So Cynthia Watson it was the candidate the Liberal candidate for Ringwood, which is an eastern suburbs, uh, eastern suburb seat. And she is in the Mormon church. So she's a member of the Jesus Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Of Latter-day Saints, yes. And uh, look look at that. That's a face only a mother could love. Uh, pass on that one. Yeah, she'll pass on that one. And there was there was also there's a handful of other um yeah like religious right candidates. And this is one of the fears that the more moderate sections of the Liberal Party had was that the Liberal Party was becoming the church of those who wanted a a semi theocracy. Isn't that called the Republican Party in Australia? Boy. I mean the US Republican <laughs> Party being imported into Australia. Uh, look, there has always been uh, a sort of oh, dominion, dominionist movement in in Australia, and that leads it's me to much my less hair shirted. Shall I say? It's <laughs> much less of a hair shirt movement. Uh, where was it? Yeah. Because What's that it like leads in Tassie me at the moment. What's it like in Tassie watching Victoria eat itself alive, Clancy? Well, to be perfectly honest, I have not watched anything about it and um, have been blissfully ignorant of the whole process. I um, have just been so busy that I haven't actually had time to look. But okay. most Tasmanians don't care. Well, because idiots, uh, Victorians are idiots. Well, pretty much. Yeah, true. Well, as, I'll, I'll as, say that. As, as a Victorian, I agree we're idiots. We're quite happy with that. Yep, well, uh, let us, uh, let us uh, The only thing I will say is that you do need to be careful, the pair of you, because you could end up with a hard border between Tassie and Victoria, and it mm. may be impossible to you know, easily get off the island if you're not careful. <laughs> no, it'll be, well, they'll make it impossible for me. us Victorians to get to Tasmania. Yes. Mm. So you've got to prove you're from New South Wales. Like. You're South Australian, you've gone round. I think it's more likely that we'll block off um, block off Victoria than the other way around. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now this is what I wanted to bring up. Have a look at that logo in the uh, in the top left hand corner, if you could, please, ladies. What is that? I haven't seen that, that in is, a long time. I thought that well, that, that, that is a vanished. I thought they've gone oh. into obscurity. Well, actually. 
No, oh, Phoebe, this is not the family first of Bob Day and uh, Ashley and uh, Ashley Evans. Didn't, no, this is this Bob is the Day stri- and Ashley Evans family first register with the Electoral Commission, then merge itself into another party. Why she? No, no, no. Um, family first actually dissolved, and all this intellectual property went to Australian conservatives, and then Corbynardi dissolved the. Stri- this I is thought the, I thought they'd merge with Australian Conservatives. Actually, no, no they, they didn't. No, they didn't merge. They actually dissolved and the intellectual property and all that went to. So they didn't quite, they didn't merge. Because okay, here's what this, I'm saying. I look at that logo. And yes. It's surprisingly similar to the previous Family First logo. Well, uh, let's see if we can actually find the previous Family First uh, logo. Uh, let me just, uh, where was it? Where was it? Got so many tabs open, but no, this is from my understanding. This is actually like the spiritual successor to the original family first. As I say, the reason that I say that there's a striking resemblance is because I see a go. southern cross in both of them. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, there we go. So you can see that there, but there's a very, there's a very, it's a very like a uh, watered down southern cross. Watered down Southern Cross. Well, whereas in uh, in this one here, it's uh, you know right there. So this is actually a different party. So it's an English yes. So the the original family first that this so this here is like the spiritual successor to the original family first. Hey, hang on! But, I want to stop you right there. Go back oh, please. one. Go back one of those tabs. Okay, you mean uh, that guy there? No, the next one. I want you on the next one. That this guy there. Oh, uh, Phoebe, wait, wait. I'll, I'll wait. I'll get to. The, I'll get to their policies. Let me get to their policies. Uh, let me jump over to this screen here. And okay, I don't know if you can see that, oh, but uh, classic uh, white Anglo, juicing. classic white Anglo family with the uh, you know smiles and perfect teeth. That's that's All I good. Say is this is a wet dream of the uh, leader and founder of the Phone Nation Party. Oh, yes. I okay, he, here we party. go. If you've watched previous episodes, the Phone Nation Party will be familiar yes. with. Yes. I don't like it. That that. that I want to stop lady. the world. I knew yes. you lost my Senate seat at the last election to the Green Party, and I'm really, really bricking it at the next election that my party uh, going to well, obscurity. But six six years is a long time to uh yes. For Pauline Hanson, six years is far too long. Mm, six well, years in a day too many. Queensland uh, does produce some of the weird the weird ones, but yeah. So this is I think you can, so the original party was Family First. This is the Family First Party. So there is actually a, a difference, though they were. Uh, but however, they were both registered from South Australia, so they were both started by South Australian uh, people. But this one here was actually started by two former Labor uh, people in South Australia, rather than former former Liberals. So there's that. But Cranks the on sorry, sorry, Phoebs. Cranks on all sides. Oh, cranks on all sides. And this, the national director for this uh, party is none, none other than Lyle Shelton. And I'll see if I can find him anywhere. But, yeah, so he is actually. But, uh, Phoebe, would you like to uh, give your opinion on what I've highlighted on the screen there? Dog whistle nonsense. Oh, really? I, I... These are the same people who want to have government small enough. Small enough that it just fits behind your front door. 
They want government small enough, just small enough to fit behind your front door and make sure that, you know, you're not, you know, doing anything that they might disagree with because they're scared and they're engaged in culture war politics. And it's like, I'll tell you this. The majority hey, is... of people don't give a monkeys about what people are doing behind closed doors mm. nine times out of ten. As long as it's not harmful, sure. If you're hitting your spouse, then society, okay, that's fine. You have domestic abuse laws against that. You have um, domestic violence orders and so on. But let's put it this way. I can only give you statistics from the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. We will be amazed in the United Kingdom if the number of children that are taking hormones to transition their gender exceeds two figures, let alone reaches three figures, let alone is in the four figures. Mm. So we are talking about a minority of a minority of a minority. So yes. in the UK, we yep. estimate that between 0.4 and 3% of the population are trans. Okay, and of a... those, we estimate that of that between 0.4% and 3%, we estimate that 0.5% of those people are under the age of 16. So we okay, are talking... Very a tiny minority of people. It's yeah. like going after in the United Kingdom immigrants from the Pacific Island. Oh, Thompson, like walking into Somalia and going, I'm here to stand up for the rights of white Europeans. You'd get <laughs> laughed at. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. should be laughing at this because all it is. Probably the most laughable part of this whole party, though, is the fact that I think the family is actually important, and um, to in a lot of ways it is not. And you know they talk about women's rights and and children in the context of families, and in fact, women's rights and children's rights should be looked at as an individual thing rather than in the context of families because as far as I'm concerned, families are the most destructive force in modern civilization. Oh, but I would, have, I would actually very disagree with you there, uh, Clancy, but maybe for no, another episode. No, it's, 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 it's this, this idea of the modern family, okay? So I quite like the idea of um, a society or a non-genetic collaboration i guess let me put it that way because <laughs> i think that well no i actually think that families in in a sense are very divisive because you're talking about your own little tribe and we're there against everybody else and in fact it's 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 not necessarily a positive thing for many individuals who live in those families okay. such as myself um because you, you you know that they reinforce all these negative tropes about what a family means you know loyalty for instance and um you know obedience to oh, parents and stuff like that so you know this this sort of idea that you've got your little model family with a wife and a husband and two little two children you know preferably of either gender and not of anything other gender and that's the idea of a family but as we all know, families are a lot more than that. There's a lot of variety in society and there always has been variety in society as to what constitutes a family. 
Well, I was going to say, I'll I'll just pause you there for a sec, uh, Clancy. Even the ancient Romans, the ancient Romans actually placed more importance on adoption than they did on uh, on their own biological children. Absolutely. I agree. Fostering was a really important part of it. Yes. So So I was going to say, like, if you want to claim, if you want to claim that this is the way it's always been done, (laughs) you know, you've got to go back, you know, thousands of years to see it hasn't always been done that way. It hasn't yeah, always can, been done that way. So that's, that's, that's part of my point. Continue on. So then, of course, they, you know, they're, they're talking about children and women as a subset of the family. So mm. you're not actually seeing anything to do with men's responsibilities to that family. You're only seeing what they think that women and children should be doing. Oh, yeah, and yeah. how yeah. we should be looking after women and children. I love oh, this yeah. bit about the Nordic model, which criminalizes men who purchase women for prostitution. Yes, I so that saw that. Ignores, that ignores that the fact dangerous. that prostitution is a legitimate way of earning money. And just because um, you don't like it, doesn't mean you get out like yeah, it. Exactly. exactly. But it also ignores the fact that there are male prostitutes as well. So you know, what are they going to do about the men's the men who are prostituting themselves and and being exploited? Then you're looking at this whole um, making an offence to exploit a woman to produce pornography. It is already an offence to exactly yes, exactly. A woman is doing pornography because she wants to. Then she's technically not being exploited. No, no, no. That's exploiting men who do pornography. Exactly. Um, But this this last one. So this sorry, keep going. I would say this last point here is something that would also raise uh, Phoebe's hackles uh, as well. Because here's the thing. That last sentence, those last two words are meaningless nonsense. Because what is a biological anything in this context? The other thing that that I'm always amazed at with this is why is it mainly, I don't mean 95% of the time, I mean Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Pauline Hansons of this world, they exist, but they are a minority. Why is it mainly white men? Pushing this nonsense. Why is it that white men are being given a platform to talk about Clancy and myself as if we are just inanimate objects that should be stripped of all voting rights, stripped of all personal civil liberties? Phoebe, Phoebe. Property of our husband. Because they're the ones who are defining what the white Christian family is. Why do dogs lick their balls? Because Because they can. Because no, they can clean themselves. This is not a cleaning operation. This is a dog licking its own feces and then eating it afterwards. <laughs> because <laughs> they can. That's, Ooh, that's why? Nice. Because I tell you this. I had a Doberman once. I had a Doberman once. Wonderful okay. Doberman called Belle. She was my pride and joy, love of my life. But I could not, for the life of me, work out why when we were going walking in the countryside. She would see horse shit and eat it. <laughs> this is the equivalent political party to my dog, Belle. She would go out and eat horse shit. This political party has sniffed the shit that is being spouted by religious nonsense and gone, oh, yes, I'll eat that. 
<laughs> okay, I, f- I found the page I was after. Do you wish there was a? Do you wish there a political party in Australia making a consistent stand for religious f- freedom and communities of faith? Australia no, is a pro-life, pro-faith. Was something that this guy did. Yeah, true. A pro-freedom party now more than ever. I'm inviting you to join me becoming a member of Family First as we relaunch this much-needed political party. Hey, look, it's free. <laughs> it's simple as no cost. Just fill no out the cost. form and guess. Guess who is that down the bottom? That is none other than Lyle Shelton. N- number one bother boy himself, Lyle Shelton. Aren't we just fantastic at this? Mm-hmm. Oh, we are. We we are white Australian Christian. Hey, does it? Yeah, hey, Christ- I do like I do like the PO box. The PO box is a nice touch. Yeah, you can't really fly bomb a PO box. You can't fly bomb a PO box, no. Uh, hey, hey, the there's a address there. hey, there's a personal address there. Hey, there's a personal address there. Oh, but that one's is in actually... New South Wales and one's in Victoria. Yeah, I know. Um, that is a that is a business office. I've been in that building many, many times. I, I know. The, it's like when you see those things, I, I knew it was a business office as soon as I saw it, but it was sort of personal address. Oh, but look, um, they also want to uh, make it an offence to sack a person based on their religious belief, which I think... That's already, already an offence! Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What about lack thereof? Yeah, that's an offence too. That yes, an and this one here. Um, they, not, not, they want not to re- faith-based schools. It's not. No, true. Because in here they want to restore, uh, they want to repeal the Equal Opportunity Act provisions, which restrict church and oh. schools' freedom to hire staff in accordance with an organisation. But uh, Clancy, I did want to get your thoughts on. Uh, actually, no, not that one. There, it was back actually to uh, back to the yes, back to the drugs. Um, yeah, given that you work in. Hang on, hang on. I'm in best RP voice I can. Please zoom okay. in. I shall read out their policies okay. in okay. the King's yeah. English. This is the King's okay. English now because, you know, Liz is dead. Okay. <clears throat> so the policy of... Uh, hold on, Phoebe, 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 let me start. And I, we threw over to a roving reporter, Phoebe J. Rose, who's live on the scene. Phoebe, what do you have to say? <laughs> so we have the following. We have the drugs policy of the newly refounded Family First Party. They will close drug injecting centres, divert Ooh. people to programmes which help them get free from their addictions, enforce the law on drug supply and possession, wait the criminal what, what justice else? system for young people by way of compulsory attendance at rehabilitation programmes rather than prisons for first offences. And is it this opportunity that we throw over to our resident drugs expert, Clancy yeah. Ms. McGuinness? Clancy, what do you resident have to say? expert on drug and alcohol treatment. I'm not sure about yes. resident expert on drugs. But... Well, I was that, thought that it's because you lived at a residential treatment centre. But there we go. Well, no, I don't. But anyway, so... so as a member of staff. As a member of staff. Well, no, actually, I'm not at a residential treatment program. I'm at an outpatient pharmacotherapy uh, treatment program. Um, my so, apologies. Yes. Our apologies. So the, the very first one, of course, is we only have a couple of drug injecting centres in Australia. The one, uh, one is, of them is in Melbourne. One of them is in Sydney, in Melbourne, and that's actually not been around for very long at all. The one in Sydney, however, has been around for uh, almost 20 years. So that okay. was started when I worked in drug and alcohol in Sydney 20 years ago. Okay. So, um, and that's a f- absolutely fabulous place in terms of how much harm it has reduced okay why do you say that like as someone as someone who doesn't quite understand that side of life tell tell uh, lay lay it out for me so essentially 
Um, when you inject drugs, there's quite a few different parts of it that can introduce severe risk of death or harm. The actual drug is actually quite a minor part of that, all right? So depending on where you're getting your drugs from and what drugs you're using and what you're actually injecting, um, the risk of overdose or death from those drugs is actually a lot less than, say, prescription medications or alcohol, things like that. It's actually a very tiny percent, percentage of all deaths from uh, overdose or abusive drugs. So when you're looking at those drugs of abuse, they're mostly talking about things like opiates and um, methamphetamines and benzodiazepines and things like that, okay? Now, in the early 2000s, the main drug of choice in Sydney was heroin. Part of the issue with heroin was they were getting a lot of it in places like King's Cross and people were getting their drugs. They were shooting up in alleyways and overdosing and causing lots of issues. There was lots of dealing going on and things like that. So people people were dying quite literally from that. Yeah, yep. So they decided to introduce as part of the um, harm minimisation framework, which all drug and alcohol, public publicly funded drug and alcohol centres in Australia work under, uh, the drug injecting room. Now, the idea behind this was to make sure that um, people accessing the drug injecting room were given clean needles, a safe place to inject where they weren't going to be hassled by anybody, including cops. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also given um, access to counselling. They were also given access to drug treatment referral and they were also given things to actually help them inject safely um, if they still decided that they wanted to inject drugs. Now, over the lifetime of the program, they've estimated that they've saved thousands and thousands and thousands of people from dying from potential overdoses or complications arising from injecting drugs. So it's not just about overdose. Overdose, as I said, is actually a small part of it. But there's lots of other things that can happen from injecting drugs unsafely. So sharing needles, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, HIV are the obvious ones. But you can also get blood infections, which can cause infections in your heart and septicemia, blood clots, strokes, multi-organ failure, loss of limbs, yada, 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 the list goes on. So there's lots of other issues, um, not just about what you get from the drugs. It's more about what you're getting from unsafe injecting practices, which is why they provide clean needles and a you know place to inject it that is clean and safe. And there's always someone there who can ring the alarm bell if something happens and resuscitate the person and give them okay. um, Narcan. Okay, so that that's 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 one aspect of it. Okay. So and it's not just drugs of addiction that they're injecting as well so there's other things that are going on like steroids for instance okay okay steroids yeah um so that's that's you know one aspect of it the so if they're closing drug drug injecting centers they're actually closing a safe place for people to to safely inject drugs in clean conditions with clean equipment those people are not going to stop injecting drugs no. They will simply go they're to the local playground and do else. it there. Exactly. So they're just going to go, go, go somewhere beach. else. They'll do it there. 
they'll go to the local riverbanks and they'll do it there. Exactly. Or, and and or then you have they'll do the it problems. in the stoop of your house if you're not careful. Exactly. So so that's that's issue number one. So there's no point in closing drug injecting says, A, we've only got two. <laughs> and if you close them, those people are just gonna go and inject other places. In fact, yep, exactly. Yeah, opening drug injecting centres in everybody town i reckon but the the main the main point of that is they're actually reducing access to those people for safe equipment and clean equipment and referral into treatment which is the main reason they were established is to actually really? capture that population of people that is injecting drugs that were previously underground mm -hmm. and saying hey we have this great new treatment program we can enrol you in. Or, hey, we can test you for hepatitis C. We can immunise you for hepatitis B. We can prevent all of these health complications that may arise from you becoming infected with these things. Okay. So this whole this the other range thing that it does. Here's the other thing that it does is it registers them with a general practitioner. So they go into these places and they'll ask them, are you registered with medical professionals? Yep. No. Let's take your details. Do you consent to me yeah. also using these details to register you with a doctor? Do you also consent to having a health check? So it reduces not only drugs in this community, but it reduces it's community diseases like tuberculosis, sexually transmitted yeah. infections, and other things like the flu, the coronavirus. They are all reduced because yeah. this population that was underground, living in the sewers of society, yeah. that had been literally by these people in family first dumped upon yeah and excluded yeah. from society are now being treated as we should be treating everybody as a human and the yes. amazing thing here is there, there is this ability of people like family first to stop treating humans as humans because they've done something in their life that has led them to become a person they dislike take mm. criminals for example Take people like me, Jewish people, trans people, etc. Trans Jewish people. This is very true. People who wear Australian hats, for example. No, they're okay. They're okay. I like that. But here's the thing: if you are that quick and that readily available to discriminate, dehumanize, and possibly lead to the death of human beings because they have done certain things that you dislike then there's something seriously wrong with you, not the person that you're disliking and discriminating against. Yep, yep. And there was a, there was a word that Phoebe, uh, so Clancy, used before, harm minimisation. Yes. Now, uh, regular listeners of, of the podcast will know that I came from that side of the political aisle, and I can tell you from first-hand experience that the idea of harm minimisation was essentially it was seen as a licence to do the wrong thing. It's sort of like it was like a very softly, softly approach. It was like, oh, we don't have the balls to stand up and enforce the law, so we'll use this. We'll use this excuse called harm minimization, which is really just an excuse to you know break the law and let people get away with breaking the law and all, all that kind of stuff. Do you know what so, they call prisons the in the UK? Do you know what they call prisons in the UK? But the point, the point with harm minimization, no, no. universities of crime. Yeah. So the, the point with harm minimization is it's not just about criminal activities. And part of the issue with the, the war on drugs is that drugs have been criminalised when they should never have been criminalised in the first place. 
Mm. Part of the reason we have a criminal problem with drugs is because they were basically banned. And so that's criminal. You, well, so if you look back to for, to prohibition, for instance, and what happened in prohibition, yeah. and they actually had to reverse it because yeah, it failed spectacularly. Writing in the streets, you know, but so you know they've banned these drugs simply because they they feel that they're well. The primary reason is because it's taking money away from them. Yep, and if, yep. if they actually turned around and, and made these legal and made them prescription, they would actually pull the rug right from under the criminals and take away the whole reason for it being yep. banned in the first place. Yep. 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 So so there's a whole there's a whole other aspect to this. But there's this idea, of course, that taking drugs is bad. Well, no. Taking drugs is a daily occurrence in any human society. We just caffeine, paracetamol, codeine, alcohol. Yeah, yes. You know, they're tobacco. All drugs. Tobacco isn't an evil drug. No. Alcohol and tobacco I'm, are two legally available drugs that, if taken the most, as directed, will kill you. They will kill you. Yeah. So this. So this is the other aspect of this. Then they start talking about diverting people to programs which help them get free of their addictions. What okay. programs? Because well, all of the money has gone into funding the criminal prosecution of people who use drugs and none of it has gone into the treatment of people who have become addicted to but aren't there like meth aren't there like methadone clinics and all that kind of stuff around well, as well? I'm getting, I'm getting to that, but this is this is what the okay. point I'm trying here's to make. Question, okay? Yeah, here's the question yeah. getting at. If you are shutting down and you all these drug injecting centers and you are saying we shall enforce the law on drug supply and possession. Where's the money? There yeah. is no magic money tree that you can inject into the system, just like people inject drugs into Look, and it's And it's not just about the money. It's actually about the professionals to run these places and to work there and to actually, mm -hmm. to actually treat these people. So this is the issue we have here in Tasmania at the moment is that we just don't actually have the facilities or the staff to treat the number of people that get referred to us. Okay. We have a waiting list. We are turning people away. Okay, so th this, is, this is part of the problem. We don't actually have enough funding. We don't have enough staff. We don't have enough trained professionals. We literally don't have enough doctors and psychiatrists who work in this field and specialise in this field and are trained to actually do this work. So if they're going, we're going to divert all these people into drug treatment programs. What's cool. Going to what the drug treatment program will be very busy. Well, we're already incredibly busy, okay? Okay. So, and the criminal justice system is the reason why a lot of these people go on drugs. Sending a person to jail for a minor offence Will usually mm -hmm. yep. mean that when they get out of jail, they're going to be addicted to something. As yep, I yep. said earlier, in the UK, we call prisons universities of crime. Absolutely, and <laughs> yep. it's true. So um, it's true. I mean, some prison. True. The problem is with prisons. I've got a rant about prisons. I'm going to do oh, here. Here we go. Yes. Prisons are the problem. Prison abolition is something that I'm in favour of for all but the most dangerous people in society. Because prisons are a hangover of Victoriana and before, where you locked away people for doing things that were offences against other people. That's fine. But what good is it in the 21st century 
to keep locking up people and creating criminals upon criminals upon criminals. You should not be locking people up for assault. You should not be locking people up for getting drunk in public. You should not be locking people up for not paying fines. You should not be locking people up for modifying their motor vehicle. These things are minor offences that can be Diverted. better um, controlled through restorative justice. So if I was to punch Damien in the face, a better way than locking me up for three months would be for me to compensate Damien monetarily, mm -hmm. so his medical bills and so on, yep, yep. and for me to undertake a course to control my anger and potentially my drinking, and to undertake better works in the community and to potentially undergo a restorative, corrective process with Damien himself. So where I apologise, where I understand the harm it's done to him, etc. And where Damien can understand potentially why I did what I did as well. Yep. So the I'm... problems that you've got is you have this thing of this Christian hangover of an eye for an eye and vengeance for vengeance sake and so on and so on which creates this nonsensical, over-the-top, expensive, dangerous, university-of-crime situation where people go in, get groomed by gangs, and end up as worse criminals, recidivists, doing more offences than if they had been treated like humans in the first place. And God, let's ask... Why did I punch Damien in the face? Not let's lock you up so you don't punch Damien in the face again at the moment. Because when you come out, you <laughs> might very well punch Damien in the face again. Because we haven't attacked the root cause of this. I may be a pommy arsehole, but treat me like a human. <laughs> so, my other problem. Yay! That's, uh, that's my, been my, what... my other issue with this is too that it's making an assumption that all people who have an addiction got their addiction in an illegal way. Okay. This is the or, other. Or point. they're just so weak that they can't you control yeah. it. So yeah. part of the thing, of course, in modern society, and um, there's a really good doco on um, Netflix about this as well, talking about the issues in America is most addiction is actually from prescription medications. Or so you have this whole cohort of people who've been prescribed um, medications, usually for a very genuine issue, right, mm -hmm. for a pain issue. So either post-surgery or, you know, for some other chronic pain issue, and they've become addicted to an opiate medication. And then that medication has been cut off, Um from, you know, being able to get access to it, which means that then they're having to get access through other means and sometimes those means are illegal. Yeah, so we yeah. have a whole subclass of people who've been addicted that, to these medications often for years and years and years and years, quite happily getting prescribed it by their doctor and then something happens which means that they're needing to increase the amount that they're using, they've become dependent um, and they start to source it from other ways, and some of those ways are illegal, okay? And and costly. And costly, which, yeah. Which then means that the person the crime, needs to commit and crimes. And that's where the crime comes in. So, yeah, so yeah. that's where the crime comes in. So there's a surprising, uh, to me, number of people who are older people, mature-aged people, often retired who've worked their entire lives, 
and something's happened to them, they've had an injury, they've developed a dependence on a medication and then it's gotten out of control. Now, part of the issue with this is we don't have enough access to GPs, number one, and GPs who understand about addiction. Number two, we don't have enough um, access to people who, who are working in the addiction treatment field. And we don't have enough people who work in pain management. So a lot of these people could be diverted away from this if they were actually treated appropriately and assessed by people who specialise in pain management. So these are the main things. So it's still all about health. It's not about justice. It's not about, um, you know, the justice system or or criminals. It's about health. It's not being treated as a health problem. It's being treated as a a problem of crime, which it's actually yep. not. Like well, I would hazard a problem of crime. Yeah, sure. I would hazard a guess and say that if these people had their way, they would get all of the uh, closed-up uh, gay conversion and gender conversion therapy centres and make them into like drug conversion centres. You know, instead of praying the gay, the gay way. Centers? They're closing gay conversion centres. I enjoyed that. They're closing <laughs> you, you, trans conversion. I want them closed too. Them into drug conversion. So, so, so they would. I, I, centers. I, I support you, Damien. Damien, run for no, Parliament well, in the United Kingdom and you have my vote. Okay, excellent. I'll uh, have to have to set foot in the United Kingdom first. But, but yeah, like so, I reckon that so if, again, if these people had... You first, Clance. You first. So this, this takes me to the third part, which is the enforcing the law on drug supply and possession. Yep. So that has to include prescription medications because, mm-hmm. as I said before, especially and in legal places, medication and legal, and legal drugs. You know, that's what I'm saying, prescription legal and medication. And OTC stuff. As, as I said. I'm, I'm thinking things like alcohol here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Tobacco. So one Paracetamol. Of yeah. One of the main drugs that's become drug abuse here in Tasmania is actually Lyrica, which is pregabalin which is a medication that's prescribed for people with nerve pain. Ah, yes, yes, I've heard of that, yes. Okay. Pregabalin, I know friends that are on Pregabalin. Yeah, well, it's a drug of abuse. It's now been listed as a drug of abuse by our PSB because people have been using it in such quantities that they've become dependent on it. Um, So, you know, that's one of the things that you have to be aware of as well. So if you're supplying drugs... And you're enforcing laws. Who are you enforcing the laws against? Are you enforcing the laws against the GPs? Are you enforcing the laws against the pharmaceutical companies? You know, so this is part of the issue because they're looking at it as if all drugs of addiction are illicit, which, of course, they are not. No, no. Then, of course, you've got the third part. And possession is another thing. So are we going to charge, you know, my 93-year-old client down the road who's had chronic pain for 50 years and has, you know, a lifetime supply of um, MS Contin and and Lyrica and Endone in her cupboard? Are we going to charge her for possession? Well, if if, if Family First had their way, yes. So here, here comes another little interesting tidbit. Oh, we've recently go, go class. Had a, go class. You're we've, in we've recently today. had a health um, alert sent out across Australia because people have been abusing poppy seeds. What are things who legally abused? legally grown and obtained poppy seeds from supermarkets, which yeah. you can actually boil down into a tea, 
and get morphine from. Huh? Yes. The problem is if you don't, some of them have been contaminated and there's been quite a spate of people who've ended up in hospital poisoned. Yes. Okay. So, so there's, I know, it's a bit of a mind bender. <laughs> it is. It is. I did yeah. hear once of a guy who worked on a mine site and he had uh, some bread with poppy seeds on it and he he indicated for. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a positive. Yeah, and he had to so like fight tooth and nail to get his job back because yeah. Yeah, so that so that's another thing. And that and this is part of the problem I have with you know drug trip testing regimes. I've had a couple of clients um who have tested positive for certain drugs and it's been assumed that they've taken the drugs, but when we've actually sent it off to specialist testing, it turns out to be a false positive. Okay. So no testing regime is you know, hundred yeah, percent infallible. Yep. Okay, so you have to be aware that there's going to be, you know, false positives, false negatives sometimes as well as the other thing. So if you're looking at this as a problem of crime, there's a whole other issues that you're actually having to look at. It's not just about yeah. your shady drug dealer down the street who got his heroin and a shipment of statues of Mary in a container from Greece. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Getting, you know, getting his getting his bucks from, you know, poor old poor kids who, you know, stealing their mother's jewelry to buy drugs. Okay, this 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 is a much larger issue. Phoebe, your microphone's turned off. So what I've got to say is that I've seen enough episodes of Border Security Australia's front line yes. seven network, but that's the only way it comes in, Clarence. And they no, have these nick tests, the and they have and they have these they have these sophisticated things, and they've got statues of the Virgin Mary, and they've got <laughs> yeah. shipping containers full of you know raw tobacco. That's the only way it comes in. And the AFP prosecute and the heroes the of the AFP protection. They do yeah. nothing but stop all this from getting to the streets, and nothing gets passed. And the dogs are perfect. It's just amazing. The yeah, X-rays no. are perfect. The testing is perfect. the The people the people don't siphon anything off at all. No, no, no. It's, uh, no, it's no. all. Especially you, not when there's a camera you there. Believe, you wouldn't believe how many of my colleagues rolled their eyes when what's the name got arrested for importing cannabis from Bali for Christ's sake. I'm sorry, but that was just so uh, You mean Chappelle Corby? Chanel Corby. Yes, Chappelle Corby. Oh, yeah. oh my God. You can grow it anywhere you like. Why did she exactly, need exactly. to import it from Bali? No, anyway, no, no. She tried to take it into it. She tried to take it into it. No, no, no. It was the other way around. She was, she was have... trying to take it back out as well. <laughs> anyway, so, so stupid. So this, this, this is part of my point, you know. They're trading as a criminal problem when it shouldn't be a criminal problem. Okay. In Portugal, in Portugal, yes. they have changed that perception and they are treating it as a health problem and they have decriminalised a host of different drugs so that people will go and get treatment for their addiction and they've diverted all the money they've saved from not incarcerating people into treatment programs. And this is the other thing that family first forget is how much it actually costs to imprison somebody, to arrest Shitload. them, to take them to jail and then imprison them. It's at least fifty to sixty thousand dollars, you know, a year just for one person to be in a cell. That's not counting everything else that has to happen. Yeah, you've got to build the building, you've got to maintain the building, you've got to pay for the staff, yeah. you've got to pay for yeah. all the electronics and the surveillance and the yeah. prison exactly. intelligence unit and 
Yeah, so, so that, 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 that money can be diverted to pay the wages of a drug and alcohol addiction specialist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, and, like, I understand, yes, young people should be hopefully diverted away, but that's about education, that's about support, mm. that's about providing adequate psychiatric services to young kids yep. so that when they are struggling with their gender and their sexuality in their high school, they're not turning to drugs to deal with it and they're actually mm -hmm. going they're to counsellors. They're not being stigmatised just for being themselves. Exactly. So they've got the wrong end of the stick, basically, family first. Um, they are but sucking this... on the fuzzy lollipop, aren't they? They really are sucking on the fuzzy lollipop here. They really are. <laughs> That's the uh, weirdest way I've uh, heard penises described. But, um, if that's yeah. what you think a penis is, then whoa! <laughs> <laughs> but no, coming from uh, yeah, and being the, the uh, YouTube, we'll cut that bit out. Yeah, exactly. We we, we get demonetized. Uh, we never were monetized in the first place. But no, um, yeah, like place. from from the conservative Christian mindset, uh, yeah, any like people get addicted to drugs because of spiritual. Uh, spiritual things because of a uh, a flaw in character because of you know this tendency to be a criminal and to do horrible things to people and all that kind of stuff like the the idea of seeing uh drug addiction as a health issue is a oh my god who will think of the children i think literally they're, they're thinking who will think of the children they are pearl clutching Yes, oh, massive, massive, and so like the idea of like, as I said before, that you know, that's it. Helen Lovejoy, yeah, oh, correct. Helen Lovejoy. Oh, somebody, please think of the think children. Of the children. Yes, I know Jack exactly. Ryan, what Jack Browning should charge a dollar for every time somebody says that because he'd be a billionaire yeah. by now. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. So as I said before, harm minimization was essentially uh, a code word for not enforcing the law properly and letting people getting away with uh, things that they. Yeah, so um, there was one other thing that uh, struck myself and Phoebe on this page as well. Let's just uh, get to it. And it was it was this under families under the families policy was to provide a two hundred dollars per year registration rebate for families were acquiring a vehicle with a seating capacity of six or more. Oh dear! So they're <laughs> trying they're trying to push push the the large family agenda. <laughs> Yes, yes. Which I mean, uh, we, should be, we should be giving them a two hundred dollar fine for every <laughs> child over the t over over two. Basically, if you have more than two children, you should be fined two hundred dollars. The the fifth child policy. Uh, Phoebe needs a drink, so let's uh, let Phoebe have a have a quick uh, scotch or whatever it is that she has at, at ten in the morning. <laughs> 10 in the morning. 10 in the morning. Do I need to be doing yeah. some referrals, Phoebe? <laughs> but, yeah, this is uh, interesting in that, yeah, like why six or more? Like, how do they come up to that? Okay, mum and dad and four children. Like, But things like $200 a year would not go very far. Like in my state, uh, a typical car registration will cost about $700 per year. That's mm. like. Well, you know, you take two hundred dollars off that. Okay, that's nice. That's like a, a very token, very token gesture. But that's not, you know, like I I know a guy who has five kids. Yeah. And like he would definitely benefit from this. And like two hundred dollars for him will go a long way, sure. But it's yeah, I don't know. I think there could be more done to. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so. You know, I've got friends. I've got friends who have a blended family with six children, and this oh, okay. will, yeah, yeah. 
this would probably definitely benefit them. Oh, but, it will definitely benefit, but just, I think yeah. there are better better ways I, of, you know. Well, yeah, I think we should be providing them with free contraception. Um, <laughs> Mandatory contraception. Mandatory, yes. Yeah. So what about all those irresponsible ejaculators out there? Yes, less Yes. Well, actually, you know, vasectomies are actually um, uh, Medicare rebateable. So they are rebateable. Uh, I know. I, I, yeah. Look, I actually had a friend who, uh, one of my colleagues who worked in a uh, vasectomy clinic, and she said, did make a vast difference to her life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a snip and clip joint. There you go. <laughs> Drum roll. Drum roll for the ages. And uh, Phoebe still Oh, Phoebe, that Phoebe, hat must be. The, for the purposes of this vod, could you reintroduce this section after you've said what you're saying about the hat? Oh, okay. Hey, um, so one of the things that uh, struck uh, Phoebe myself was this thing about providing a two hundred dollar per year registration rebate for families requiring a vehicle with a seating capacity of six or more. This is the party that had a go at the uh, candidate for Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, for goodness sakes. <sighs> but no, How I'm many Australians? Too. How many Australians have families with six plus? Or five well, plus. We were just talking about that. Plus. Yeah, I know a guy with five kids, and the claims were saying she knows blended families. Yeah, blended so families, yeah. But here's the thing. Would your blended family qualify if a member was divorced? Well, this is a very no. good question. No, because divorce in, in fundamentalism. Or not married at all. Well, precisely. Oh, or same is... sex. Or oh, same sex. Think of the very children. Very good point. Think of the children. So, so this. Or what about a single is... person? That has had a spouse die or something, or a single person who has had hey, a spouse look, I, run away. I know, I know a few single mothers with eight plus children. That's oh, impressive. That is impressive. Geez, that that is impressive. Is. So you know, it's not unheard of. And then you know, you're also you're also talking as we were saying before about blended families, and not all families are made directly of people who are of blood. So what about adopted children? Yeah, what if you're a foster carer? Yeah, look, well, you know, look at Angelina Jolie. How many kids has she got now? This, when we talk of blended families, indigenous families, they're yeah. not generally nuclear families. No, they're, they're not. generally a more blended uh, family make. I'm having to be very careful here that I don't, you know, engender the ira of indigenous Australian families here. But statistics show according to the last Australian census, so this is where my statistics are coming from, that larger families of a blended nature, so people living under the same roof who may not necessarily be um, biologically the children of the married parents, mm -hmm. come from Indigenous Australian backgrounds and Indigenous Australian... So this is the kind of thing that I don't think they'd be too impressed with giving Indigenous Australians a rebate. Just a no. Just, just saying there. It has become a bit of a thing at the moment in child protection and child safety services to put children, especially if they're of Indigenous heritage, into kinship care, which means that they're asking the family. More culturally appropriate. Child. 
culturally appropriate care. Yeah. So, you know, the aunties and cousins and brothers and yeah. sisters and what have you. But, and that so does like, work both ways. Before anyone says that does work both ways. So we're not going to be doing this exclusively for Indigenous Australians. This is across the board. So if you Oh, no, it's not just Indigenous this, kids. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. No, it's, it's across the board, but it's definitely risen partly from encouragement from those sorts of areas because, indeed, in a lot of Indigenous communities, that is a very important part of their cultural identity is their family, extended family, yep, yep. and the, the kinship ties. Their mob, so their tribe. But it yeah. has become a norm. It has become a norm across all communities as well. I mean, it's actually yeah. seen as a very positive model. Well, um, it's certainly better than certainly better than taking a kid and like forcing him with strangers. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it depends yeah, yeah. on the circumstances, I guess. But yeah. the, this is, yeah, this is definitely a point. So, yeah, it's it's it'd be interesting to be able to quiz someone from family first on that issue and how that money is actually going to be spent. Is it just going to yeah. be the the you know the biological children of that couple uh, together that are going to qualify for that? <laughs> yeah rebate or do they oh, look it's all the other varieties that we just and here's the other thing to take into consideration what if somebody carpools so say you have a rural community mm -hmm. and one of the parents says look okay i will carpool kids in the local area and we'll all go to school together yep and they take like seven or eight of them do they get the rebate good question very good question. Well, look, given that the Australian Christian Lobby uh, declined uh, our request for uh, to be interviewed regarding the the interview that turned into Clancy and Rodney Croom, <laughs> I'm not too sure yeah. that Lyle Shelton's mob would be willing to discuss it. But look, we can they always always invited. put the feelers out. So to cover ourselves in the United Kingdom, the Australian Christian Party were invited, but no response was received. Uh, the, the, we, we received a response. It's just that oh, no, 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 they, 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 they responded. They, okay, yeah, I'll uh, start that again. Then. Okay, I'll start that again. <laughs> okay, for the purposes of uh, United Kingdom law, the Australian Christian Party were contacted but declined our request for an interview. There you go. That sounds very, uh, that sounds very, uh, okay. Let me actually bring up the. I don't know if you can see. You can see on here. So I wrote a very uh, lovely, uh, very lovely email to them, and they uh, thank you very much, Harris. And sorry, sorry for late reply. I'm afraid Wendy will not be able to do this podcast with this time. She's grateful for the offer, though. I hope it all goes well and keep up the good work. So Ace, the ACL think we're doing good work. Oh, Love you guys. Awesome. This, is, this, is this, is, this is wonderful. <laughs> yes, there you go. So we have the approval of the Australian Christian Lobby. That's. Uh, I never thought we'd be saying that, but there I'm gonna we go. Have to, I'm going to have to tell Rodney Croom that he's going to think that's hilarious. Okay, I will. Uh, I'll send you. Uh, yeah, I'll send that to you uh, a bit later on. Uh, so, speaking of hilarious, uh, the Scott Morrison ministry grab just keeps on giving, and so he's actually now at risk of facing censure by Parliament for secretly swearing himself into all these additional scenarios. Wow. And this is something that uh, Clancy's mate Albo may be taking on uh, very soon in oh, in so. the parliament. Um, be, uh, be very exciting. Be very interesting. Now, I think he, I really think he should face some sort of recriminations for it. Like, obviously, what he did was not illegal. 
So there is that. So there's no legal punishment that you. Yeah, well, it's technically, yes, and look, there there's was nothing no saying. legal authority for him to do it either. He didn't have express legal authority to keep saying, um, I can go round the civil service. There well, actually, no, no, it's, it's, up, to, it's up to the Governor General. If However, the Governor General swears him in. unethical. There was just I'll nothing agree. saying he couldn't do it. Nothing, there was nothing exactly. saying he could do it. It was just there was nothing to say he couldn't do it. Uh, if, if his mate, the Governor General, says you can do it, that's as good as, that's as good as, uh, yeah. As good as God himself saying it. But, yeah, um, but I do think that we really need to put guidelines in to stop this sort of thing happening again because, oh. um, yeah, this if is... If you just get re-elected, like, uh, what's his name that we're talking about earlier? They escapes me. Victorian election. Matthew Guy? Matthew Guy. Dan Andrews. Who, yes. Dan Andrews. He'll just get re-elected again and again like Dan Andrews. He'll just keep getting re-elected. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He'll appear in front of ICAC again and his approval ratings will go up. He'll appear <laughs> yeah, in front of ICAC again and again and again. He'll just get more and more and more approval ratings. Oh, boy. And there was one other thing I did want to uh, briefly discuss was, I don't know if you've uh, if this face uh, rings a bell for you, Stuart Robert, who's currently the Shadow's treasure. is that Sorry? man so familiar looking? That's Sorry, say that again, Phoebes? Well, he does look a bit like Voldemort. There you no, go. You took the word out of my mouth, Clancy. It's no, that's Peter Dutton. That, that that is Peter. You're thinking no, of Peter no, Dutton. No. Oh, don't Those of you watching, for those of you watching on the uh, audio, whatever the stream it happens to be, you won't be yeah. able to see what we can see on the vod here. So yeah, it is. He also, it is he also looks like the Orc King from Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, now that's now it's getting disrespectful. But yes, so, but no, the reason we are making valid comparisons, we are not engaged <laughs> in the kind of politics that a lot of people dislike, but base their voting intentions on. No, true, true. But no, the reason he's come up in the news was because he was. Uh, Okay, so the reason he made the news last year, was it last year, where he basically said, he said something about private schools and he said that like public schools are shithouse was mm. essentially the, um, there was something like he when he was. Like that private schools is the only way to ensure an education for your children or something. Yeah, yeah something something really like in bad taste. But it turns yeah. out like, yeah, now he was, his, he was caught giving free advice to lobbyists and, to, and telling them, don't say you're a lobbyist. Mm. Oh, <laughs> it was a uh, yeah. So sake. leaked emails, leaked emails uh, revealed the firm Synergy, Synergy three hundred and sixty sought help from Robbie at the same time it was telling people not to use the L word when it was advocating for companies seeking major contracts in Canberra. Oh, oh boy! Hey, look at that last sentence here. Outsour- One billion dollar visa outsourcing bid led by Scott Briggs, a close friend of former Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a surprise! We're talking about corruption in politics, and this is. Well, what is- I will say is that I'd like to end on one final article that I have. Oh yes, okay, fire away. Once, once we see this article, you will realise that you know self awareness is not dead. Okay, Phoebe, take it away. So the article headline is We Insult People's Intelligence. I think it should be the title of the podcast, honestly, but (laughs) this guy, these people beating us to it. The Liberal Party recriminations begin. Yep. There you go. There he is himself. Sad Matthew Matthew Guy. Guy himself. 
Saying it yeah. himself. Well, you know, they had to take a good hard look at themselves at some point, you know, and the fact no, that they, they, didn't. Had, they had to go into obscurity if they didn't. After, after the federal election is a bit telling in itself. Yep. Here's the thing. So, after a federal election and you get absolutely thumped, mm -hmm. a party with any sense hope of coming back should very quickly work out what it's done wrong. Because the federal election was a few months ago now. Mm -hmm. It yeah. wasn't like uh, it was yesterday. It was a few months ago. It was uh, April or May. Yeah, it was a fair few months ago. Yeah. So that's six months that you've got to work out how can we not look like complete morons in a very important set of state elections? How can we not do that? What did they do? They look like morons in the Victoria state <laughs> elections. Yeah, but to be fair, Phoebe, they already look like morons. Um, they just I... look like worse morons because but here's the here's the here's the thing that I saw. I'm not quite sure how verifiable this is, but the maps in Victoria had their best election since the 1940s. Yep, they've actually done pretty well for themselves. So we uh, could end up in a couple of election time if the Liberal Party don't get their act together, with the Nats being the bigger member of the coalition. That may not be the worst thing in history. May not be the worst, the, the worst thing in history. Um, but this is what I was saying before: is that you know there, there are sock puppets who have got more charisma and you know political nous than <laughs> than than the Liberal Party, the Victorian Liberal Party. Mm. I mean, it, it, but having, I mean, having said that. So having said that, so, though, like Victoria has always been a very left state, anyway. Like it's very there is being a very there is being a very left state, as we alluded to at the beginning. It's a very left state that is very left state gerrymandered. Yeah, that's uh, there we go back to that again. But yeah, that's so the LNP. Yes, okay, it finished second in terms of vote share, but it didn't finish second in terms of vote share that it gets obliterated in the. Um, ALP of Victoria gets mm. an almost super majority based on nearly the same number of votes and the AGP three letters that I don't often say without it being something derogatory against me but the AGP, the Australian Green Party oh, those guys, have, yes. every, have every I mean the Victorian. right yep, they're drawing, the Australian yep. Green Party of Victoria have every right to jump up and down and shout and say the system is rigged the system is rigged, <laughs> the system is rigged the system is rigged, yeah. they have every right to say that because they got four seats which is roughly 6% mm -hmm. and they got 11% of the vote yes, they, they did, yes that is absurd in a democracy. That's not democracy. That's something. Something fishy is going on. I think is the nice, yeah. the nicest way of putting it. So you can't have. Here's the problem. He has been in front of corruption after corruption after corruption after corruption and royal commission, royal commission, and royal IBAC. commission. and the voters on the whole don't actually want him. The majority of voters, nearly two-thirds of voters, have said, we want somebody else. But that 40% of voters, mm -hmm. so those two-fifths versus three-fifths, get somebody that they want, but the three-fifths don't, but the two-fifths get nearly two-thirds of the seats. This is not democracy. Yeah, it's 
it's starting I mean, to I turn into Queensland. Actually, I think we should actually look into how they did the count and why the percentages were tallied up that way. I think that's that'd be worth a. As far as I'm aware, those are first preference votes. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have to yeah, look into that, but um, I was going to uh, finish up on this. Labor are actually riding really high. Uh, they control, they so Labor are currently in federal government. They're currently in Queensland government. They're currently in Victorian government, in South Australian government. Uh, where else? I think Western Australia as well. If yep. I'm not mistaken, they're Western Australian government. Um and if there if there is a New South Wales election coming up shortly, I think they would they would take that as well. I think they will. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, they're not in Tasmanian government. No, because <laughs> you guys are very conservative down there. Like <laughs> you guys well, love the Liberal Party. You are, guys love them so much that you swung towards them. In, sorry, they are also in power in the Northern Territory as well. Oh, okay. No, okay, lucky. Although then. there is a, there is a, there is definitely a swing of opinion against the Liberal Party because they want to introduce an AFL stadium in Hobart, and there's actually a big yeah. outcry against it. Which I'm yes, get and rid of the stadium. The ALP are in coalition in the ACT with the Green Party. Say that again, Phoebs. The ALP ah, yeah, are in yep. coalition with the Green Party in okay, yeah, yep. the ACT. And so if you power. look, and if you look at Western Australia, the lower house, so the Legislative Assembly of Western Australia, is currently comprised of the following: Ooh, fifty-nine the following. seats, two Liberals, four mm, Nats, fifty-three okay. Labor. Holy shit! And if that's you go to the Legislative Council, that's the upper house. It's one Independent. One Daylight Savings Party, one Green, two Legalised Cannabis Alliance Party, make up the cross benches. And Daylight then you've got two Nats. Daylight Savings Party is that? A yep. really oh, because active? in Western Australia, um, yeah, they they have a big rage boner against DST. Yeah, I, yes. I, have, so I had a rage boner against it too. Yeah, I, I hate DST. I, I could do a whole episode on just how awful DST is. But anyway. Yeah. There are two Nats, seven Liberals, and 22 Labour Party members of the Legislative Council. So in Western Australia, it's pretty much a one-party state. Ah, oh, yes. Yep. There we go. I mean, this is this is the structure at the moment. And I mean, that cannot be a representative democracy under that, that is a that is a uh, that is a rubber stamp waiting to happen that mm -hmm. really is that really is just a rubber stamping authority with like i've seen local councils in the uk which are slightly worse than that but and that's saying something indeed uh, well i mean mm. so i think i think the big takeaway from this is that yeah People don't really care about corrupt politicians. But corrupt politicians breed corruption in the worst kinds and start to corrupt democracy itself. Because gerrymandering, as we're seeing on the screen right now, if you're watching, shows one thing. Democracy dies when corruption thrives. And corruption is thriving 
thanks to the Australian Labour Party at state and territorial elections across Australia. Yep, I think I will. Uh, I'll. I'll generally with that. <laughs> when it's fine, words and Phoebe Clancy. Do you have any any parting words for us? Well, I don't agree with Phoebe, but you know, I think it's definitely something we have to look at. I think we have to yep. examine the numbers and the reasons why it's been preference this way. Yep. Um, transparency is part of democracy, evidently. Hmm? Well, what so, I will say, I, I would like to just clarify. I am not saying this is an exclusively ALP thing. I am pretty certain that the uh, LNP do very, very similar things because yep. power corrupts they, uh, and power corrupts absolutely. The, that's a never true word said. But anyway, this has been the – actually, any final words before I wrap up and uh, let – Congratulations go to, to the uh, Labour Party of Victoria on winning a – Congratulations. Uh, you've, you've got four more years, so do something with it. Uh, earn our trust. Earn our trust is what I'll – in our trust. In our trust. With that, Great this has been the post. Greater, the po greater and longer lockdowns for you, yeah. Damien. Thank you. Thank you. I'll think it. I'll think Worst it. Worst flu really season in Australian history. Yay! Just oh, just, by the way, baby, just to finish on a positive note for you, evidently they're bringing back neighbours. Here's the thing. I've got over neighbours. Neighbours. I've got over it Everybody now. needs good neighbours. Here's the problem. Sorry. Put it to Here's rest, damn it. When you end something, just die. on a life support machine waiting for it to be resurrected. I thought we had cremated neighbours and spread the ashes around with lovely Jason Donovan and Kylie coming back, and it was all wonderful and hippy to be yah, yah, yay. And, yeah... What are they going to do? Say that none of the houses got sold? Well, I mean, that was the implication at the end of it, but they were still selling off a couple of them. So what are they going to get rid of the characters that did actually sell their houses? In they'll they'll, see, they'll CGI the houses into, the new, into I mean, a green screen studio. It was handed back to the original residents. It's been handed back to them. So Ramsey Street is not going to be the same Ramsey Street as it was. I can't remember the name of the close in... Uh, oak pin, close? oak pin, oak pin close. That's right. Oak pin close. Yep. Was actually handed back to the, the residents of Oak pin close. So uh -huh. this is the problem that you've got. They finished recording it. They handed Oak pin close back. So now they've got to go there, and they've either got to take Oak pin close back, or they've got to find another Oak pin close. I'm well, um, uh, if they if they want to move production over to uh, to England, then I'm sure there's a there's a town in a in a, I don't know. In London, there's a, town? there's a place in London for you, which is waiting near me. I'm pretty certain. Broadmoor, Broadmoor. That's a there's a place. HMP Holloway. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, All right. you. On that note, it's... I love the pair of you. I love you. We and, love I, you. and I'm required we... to say this. I'm required to say this at the very end of this. Well done, the Australian men's and women's rugby league teams on becoming world champions. And also, congratulations to the England uh, rugby league wheelchair teams and the England rugby league physical disability teams on becoming world champions too. Yay! Now this time, say it with meaning. Bye-bye now.
particularly childhood education. Okay, good. He's waiting why shouldn't women's issues be front and centre of an election campaign? What do you want to call them? As I've said, we have had a range of crime. policy settings so for some time now, for years, and issues that are important But why shouldn't we have a conversation uh, about issues like uh, that we've been talking about women's health, having more support yes. for women to be able to access dedicated women's health centres to talk yes, about women's yes. pain and women's reproductive oh, issues? Why shouldn't we have free pads and tampons in, in public places? Not I think saying it's great. absolutely great to be having these conversations. You said right in the middle of the election campaign. We know that so many people voted okay, early. Anyway, so some of those announcements that were deliberately targeted at female voters came in the last week when we knew already a million people had, had uh, voted. So why was it a sort of a panicked decision? Yeah. And give, like, given your track record, but why, why wait till the last week of the campaign, given we know that it takes a while for policies to filter through to people to understand them? Well, yes, anyway, anyway that, yes, and I, and I, I, I am Damien, one of the co-hosts of Let's Save our, the our Governor General, a very uh, casual and light-hearted look at Australian politics and culture and all, all that kind of stuff. misinformation that's been put out there for others for So, yeah, just going to see what happens during with, the course of an election uh, campaign, obviously yeah, there are the ABC, issues that you, you talk on early in the campaign, some that come through uh, a little bit later yeah, during the, see the what campaign. The ABC can come up the, with in terms the, of, the, the a, of, 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 of results. All done at the start uh, in the middle of the second last week, so, so some time ago, when still the vast majority why of the Victorian community haven't voted for. But I do want to go back to that point. Hello, yes. Why shouldn't so we I'm be talking about women's health as a mainstream issue in the middle of an election campaign that builds on all those other areas of reform in family violence, in mental health, in supporting uh, more support yeah, for schools, that. issues that are particularly That's... important. And then there's those early years reforms that are helping women's workforce participation. These are reforms that we've been All delivering right. for some time now. Just and then I can see Anthony Green's screen coming to life. Two He's got some figures that he'd like to share with us. Yeah. Um... Just, just to keep that early sense of numbers coming along. And sometimes you do these to explain a story. And I'll just do the setup here, of course. Chris Brain won this for the Labor Party last time. Nobody, nobody from the Labor Party knew who he was, but he won the P. And Sam Groff, of course, a tennis player, um, journalist, he's well known. He's standing in the seat. Now, um, on these numbers, it looks like Sam Groth's home and other 75.8%. I will point out this is... All right, I am... Liberal birds in the electorate. <laughs> if you look All at right, the change, back. Ooh, Sam Groth has got... a 7.6% swing to, to the Liberals. Right. I, I, don't, I, I expect that there is going to be a swing to the Liberals that. in that election. No, it was such an odd that. result last time. But no. That just shows the power of comparing the birds that you're not confused okay, by the fact Okay, so Nepean is one of the, uh, the uh, South East electorate. So, yes, in case you may not have picked up, I This is an interesting contest. Susanna Sheet has won this at the, the last two elections. Victoria. The Liberals finished second last time. So the Nationals have picked a very strong candidate in Kim O'Keefe. Uh, so this is going to be an yeah, interesting three-way contest. This, uh, election I, I suspect it's going to end up Susanna uh, Sheet against either the National or the Liberal candidate. Uh, but it's going to take a long time to sort out. And of course, yes, there's uh, been a lot going on in that electorate in the last month or two with the floods. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of local issues like that. in this election. Which may not be relevant in some other electorates in the state. Yeah, I live in the western metropolitan region. I don't want to say exactly about where I live. Then you've got Richmond on and the, Northcote. We've been talking about a bit tonight. Labor held seats under threat from the Greens. 
Okay, so these seats here that have got Northcote, Richmond, Q and Hawthorne. Uh, Q and Hawthorne are like the, or the la-di-da kind of, you know, if you're living in those areas, <laughs> if you're living in those areas, you can afford a house uh, to live in those areas. You're doing pretty, doing pretty good. Uh, Northcote has become uh, yeah, more hipster and all that kind of stuff. Richmond has, Richmond's a bit of a split personality because it's a lot of housing commission, but also a lot of uh, really expensive, really crappy properties. Well, I mean, it's like really small and really, it's like you paid that much for that, yeah, that, that, that kind of thing. So yeah, um, I don't like either of the major parties. I'm just trying to think which can oh, I forgot which. I think I actually voted independent. Uh, in my in my part of the world, uh, and look, I have made this quip a, a few times that uh, the ALP could put a three-legged dog up for election and people in this area will still vote for it because it's, uh, you know, he represents Labour. So, okay, he's went for my... Uh, Conspirator. Anyway, so the ABC are doing a live broadcast on a, on, on a tram. That is so Melbourne. That is so Melbourne. Yeah, do that. Oh, it all goes dark. What are they thinking? What are they saying? Very dark, mysterious voice on the screen. I voted for Liberal. Because scary. So yeah. Um, one of the things about the Victorian election cycle is that uh, our elections are on a fixed date and the parliamentary terms are fixed. So there's no, I suppose, there's no impetus for the opposition to try and push a bad government to an early election. Um, yeah, the, the government, the, like, both the government and the opposition have to limp towards a particular date for you know the for the time of reckoning um i think daniel andrews is a capable politician given he's been in the uh, top job for you know almost almost a decade um is he a good leader he's okay but i think there's an old saying that uh, politicians and nappies should be changed often and for the same reason and I really get that feeling with, with Dan Andrews, especially now that there are a handful of corruption inquiries, uh, yeah, corruption inquiries that are, um, yeah, really starting to, uh, like, yeah, especially take the sheen off of the, uh, off of the, off of the government. So, so I'm just going to. Find my podcast. Save. Ah, yes. Now, let's save the Governor General. This is a very, uh, yeah. Yeah, just a uh, bit of a laugh for for a name. We're not uh, we're not Monicus. No, we we're, we're not Monicus, but you know we do. Call us up there, and uh, no one else is in yet. So let's just see what. 
Okay, and that's seen by the one person who... <laughs> yeah, so normally I would be joined by uh, Clancy. A very lovely Clancy, who is based down in Tasmania. Uh, and who was a, uh, I think she was actually a branch president of uh, of the Sydney-based branch of the ALP. Uh, I think actually the youngest branch president uh, in the ALP's history. So I would have loved to have her astute commentary. I think we'll get her astute commentary tomorrow on the post-mortem. And then from the other side of the world, Phoebe J. Rose. Very lovely, very funny, Phoebe. Yes, uh, adding her adding her British thoughts to the mix. Now, not sure if Phoebe will. You know, Clancy says she won't make it. Uh, Phoebe haven't quite heard either way, but look, I'll, uh, got big shoulders, allegedly. What is what is this? Ah, that's a. Uh, so I'm just going over my uh, my Chrome windows and I saw something that I yeah, didn't think I'd uh, still had on, but... All right, so as I was saying, so Dan Andrews, um, yeah, I really... My basic thought about this uh, election is that if Labor win the election, I don't want to hear anyone bleat or complain about lack of integrity in government you know, you've got a government that has had numerous uh, numerous scandals has been brought before IBAC has been you know they're actually proposing laws to jail journalists for uh, you know publishing uh, reports without IBAC's permission and I think that kind of uh, yeah sets a yeah, sets a bit of a bit of a dangerous precedent. So this, okay. So Morwell is in the southeast of Victoria. It's probably about a hundred, uh, about a hundred and fifty k's uh, southeast of uh, Melbourne. It's in the Latrobe Valley, which is the uh, the power generation capital of Victoria. So you have, you can see there in the background, uh, the steam stacks for the electricity generation facilities um, yeah so let me just get up who is where the numbers are falling right now with Anthony Green yeah and I've got um just a little explanation to people about how difficult it is to do it at this time of night. These are our, these are our projected. It's a bit of a, um, I suppose, a little bit of a bogany lower class, uh, working class area. Projections have a negative number. It comes when you project these numbers. So now I just want to see what. Raw numbers, and this is what the just the raw numbers we've got at the moment, like which is Labor on twenty six. Okay, just want to see who. The Nationals are only going to get about six percent. All right, that's the. This projected number can be a bit oh, that'll be for the really MLC, but... National Party takeover there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just trying to get a read of... I probably should have done this before, my, my apologies, but yeah, it's... Uh, difficult figure to do very early in the evening, but there's there's no... There's a second election, let's just see what... Yep, so that'll be the Metropolitan. Which is the Deputy Premier's seat here with us. I'll tell you which polling place it is even. And let me just get the VEC website up as well, just to get a bit more context. Eagle Hawk, North, Gornung, Raywood and Sedgwick. There we are. 
and uh, we've we've only got one of them here. So checking this out, with what I got? Okay, they're calling. Point four percent counted. That's uh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, ooh, okay. Yeah, Bendigo is a bit of a is quite a strong Labor Labor territory. Jacinda Allen is a, is a minister, so I'd be very surprised if uh, so three point three point one percent counted there. Um, but a thirteen percent swing to the uh, to the libs. That is that is interesting. That is uh, if I was Jacinda Jacinda Allen, I'd be uh, I think the phrase is she my pants at the moment. That's one of those things. Is that whether there's a variability okay but overall it looks like a 0.2 percent swing uh, overall too but however only 3.3 counted so you know you can't exactly uh, much out of that these last few months look again they are other than the Eaglehawk North booth they are okay so where was the okay state election results I think this is perhaps also an important point. Um, okay, I might actually uh, stop that as well. Okay, so um, yeah, just waiting on a. You know, yeah, I'd love, I love to know what seat that is that's, that's been counted and which. Uh, so you do from, you know, it's uh, the, the, the which. Uh, yeah. How many percent has already been. Uh, in my seat is probably yeah, so as I was saying, so I yeah, live out in the, live out in the west, uh, western, western part of Melbourne. Uh, Labor are very strong, Again, just uh, partly because a lot of people here work blue-collar jobs uh, and blue-collar almost always means uh, union membership and so the unions have a very strong uh, yeah very strong uh, yeah I suppose influence on, on how things are around here like to the point that labor can parachute uh, almost literally parachute uh, people who live on the other side of town in the past into you know the safe Labour electorates, and yeah, I'm just you know, and I know there was a oh, I forget who exactly it was, but there was a um, yeah, there was a Labour female candidate parachuted into a uh, particular electorate and it's interesting that you on one side you have affirmative action but on the other side you have someone who has no connection to the area you know who, whose only job in life has been a union rep and possibly a lawyer uh, you know, meant to represent a lawyer, meant to represent the uh, you know the working class people of Sydney. Didn't matter which part of the state you were in. Good luck, guys. Well done. So I think if we're up to me, if we're up to me, uh, candidates would either have to live in the electorate. Or demonstrate a very strong connection to the electorate. In their own political as a point of political. Yeah, just because like my understanding was who was it? Let me do a little bit of research in the in the background, but I think it was a gentleman by the name of Telmay Langwell. Both leaders at various points. Let's run through the strengths and weaknesses of both leaders. Because I think he was the Labor, one of their strengths was probably their flagship policy, the SEC. So they really made which seat did he did he hold? Okay, so he was actually based in Tarnit. So he was the was say so he was the representative for Tarnit. 
A weakness, I would say. Um, however, he lived on the other side of the of the city. So Tane is one of these uh, up and coming suburbs that have been, you know. Uh, I suppose gentrified. Uh, there's been a lot of growth in there, and yes, in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And yeah, this guy, I think from where was it? So we know Victoria has. Ah, yeah, so he lived in uh, Queenscliff, which is a, yeah, let me just see, Queenscliff was actually, like, probably a good 100, 150 k's away from the electorate of Tarnit. Yeah, so if it was up to me, I would make people either live in electorate or demonstrate such a strong connection to the electorate that they can't, you know, yeah, and not, yeah, not because I hate Labor. It's just I hate the I, like. You should have like, you should have someone that represents you, um, particularly in this two-party system where yeah, where uh, if you're in a safe, uh, what's called a safe seat, then you're almost virtually guaranteed to uh, yeah to to win. So. No, they're calling three, three seats for the for the LNP now. So hey, that's <laughs> the Matthew guy must be uh, you know, jumping for joy at this moment. Um, yeah. So yes, they're right. Law House MPs do serve fixed four-year terms. That is, uh, yeah, on the money there. And as I was saying before, that yeah, if you can get where like oppositions essentially tie themselves out because they know they yeah. The the real result, the, the real test will be on election day, which is hey, so many years away, so many years away. Oh boy, um, yeah. So my thoughts on uh, the two leading candidates. Um, I definitely don't like Daniel Andrews. Um, he does have some good qualities about him, though. Um, I will say that, and I do like the idea of the big build. Uh, Victoria is currently spending, you know, a fair few billion dollars on major, major road works, major upgrades, you know, all oh, the you know, um, so yeah, this, this is an uh, Footscray is an inner city, uh, in inner city uh, electorate slash suburb. Some significant numbers and I don't expect the Victorian socialists to end up with 15%. Oh, this is interesting. So, yeah, so you've got Katie Hall, who's the current member, 39. Uh, the Greens and the Victorian socialists are getting more. Oh, there's Samantha Ratner from the, from the Greens. Um, okay, so that on. In that, whoa, holy, holy cheese balls. That is. Oh, 20% swing to. Now, I'd love to see some more seats because on. On the handful of seats, okay, Albert Park. Oh, geez, 0.8% counted. Like, I wouldn't even. Wouldn't even, uh, wouldn't even bother with that. But, um, yeah, whereas Matthew Guy, I. I don't mind Matthew Guy. Yeah, I think his time in the political wilderness, like, so he contested the 2018 election and he got uh, trounced. Uh, then. Uh, this day, the Victorian Liberals went to, I forget exactly who it was, they went with someone who's as uh, weak as weak as dishwater, <laughs> essentially. Okay, yep, so Albert Park, yeah, so Albert Park is uh, where the Grand Prix is, if you heard the name Albert Park from, uh, from the Grand Prix. 
That's, that's where it is. Yeah, the, they actually hold the Grand Prix now in Park, which is right next to the city. Uh, okay, the Greens. Yeah, so the Greens tend to do well around the inner city, and I'm, it boggles, it baffles the mind why. Um, oh, that's uh, demographics for you. That is demographics for you, so I'm just going to turn that up there. And Samantha Ratnam. Um, yeah, I think she's capable. I think she's uh, like yeah. she's one of my favorite greens representatives she's not she doesn't seem to be uh, part of the lunatic left um, you know, like the Adam Bant uh, Lydia Thorpe kind of you know I hate everyone the white people are evil kind of thing um, thinks uh, Samantha Ratner's partner is actually uh, a white Caucasian man so be a little bit awkward if she, uh, you know white men with a problem in, in her view but uh, Richmond yes so this is another uh, very hotly contested seat. So just realize this is like a very meta kind of thing. I'm providing analysis on the analysis uh, up until my partners in crime game. But yeah, Richmond is one of those uh, inner city uh, said it's like half junk. It's part junkies, part refugees, part uh, you know people who somehow afford to live in Richmond kind of thing. Um, well, Labor are getting trounced. It's on this point six percent count, okay. There's not much to really say there, but holy cheese balls, they're getting uh, you know uh, smacked around. Yeah, quite this, in the handful of seats they've uh, in the handful of seats that Anthony Anthony Green on the ABC has. Uh, uh, well known uh, evaluated um, yeah um, this oh my gosh the uh, <laughs> ALP are getting uh, so I suppose just to lay uh, a little bit more uh, down about what's so Labour have won the last two uh, elections uh, in Victoria so they've been powerful the last eight for the last uh, eight years, and I'll say that the liberal, um, the liberal the opposition aren't inspiring anyone. But I think I think they can make a uh, make a decent uh, make a decent uh, alternative government. Um, and like any incoming opposition has to you know, feel their way through and you know work out what's been uh, left yeah, left behind and all, all that kind of stuff. But well, I'm really proud yeah, pick up pick up the pieces and uh, mold things in their own in their own way. But um, yeah, now I, I will declare I tend to sit on the conservative side uh, of, of the ledger, so that you know take that take that as you will. Now I'm not I'm not saying I'm a conservative. I just I tend to lean lean that way. Was that a bit of a but mistake? Having said that, I said I don't think uh, Dan Andrews is a power or is, this is a, is a bad. Ever, I said Dan Andrews is a good politician. Very clear that we won't with so with yeah, but I think the Liberals form government. What was he? What was he saying from um, uh, Shakespeare? Um, a, a pox on both your houses, and that really represents the uh, um, uh, the idea of Matthew Guys that I like best is uh, fixing the health system. Um, because, yeah, the health system is in crisis and, yeah, unfortunately people have died because of uh, mismanagement in the Emergency Services uh, Telecommunications Authority. Um, there's that, and I think the, yeah, and also the way COVID was handled. Uh, I do have some uh, misgivings about that. 
Okay, so they've actually called four seats for the Liberals. This is uh, somewhat, somewhat interesting. I have to say, very, somewhat, somewhat very interesting. Um, yeah, so there was that on the... Now, but said on the other hand, I do like the Labour government big build. Um, the infrastructure is a very uh, important thing. And one of the reasons I say that is I have family in Singapore. And so I've, I've been there a few times. I was actually just there back in uh, back in June uh, for, for a wedding. And yeah, like Singaporean public transport. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> just to compare, today I was in... Uh, well, actually, yeah, so today I took the train into uh, Footscray to, uh, to uh, yeah, do a little bit of shopping, but um, on Thursday I took the train into, I took the train into work. Um, I don't always take the train into work, or sometimes uh, I'm, just, I'm either driving or riding on the bike, because I'm a bit of a biker dad, and yeah, they had uh, cancelled, uh, you know, a few services, and it just made it like, well, you would never see, can you'd almost never never see council services this anymore because like <laughs> even if you don't like their style of government the way they do infrastructure is is world class um transport infrastructure shopping infrastructure tourism infrastructure bam yeah but i do think the big build uh yeah we need to uh you know invest in infrastructure and get you know and i wish it wasn't an either or scenario but i think um then happens in the case of a rainy yeah, day. Yeah, like the example, Labor idea of making a train from Box Hill to Cheltenham. I'm not sure that is something that is urgently required. Um, yeah, the cabillion needed for that. So holy, holy shit, that's... And actually cut the so, yeah, we think it's... that's in the state's interest. We think that that's the right way to go, and that is the decision that we made. It's a policy decision. I accept uh, yeah. that. So anyway, um, um, but we also um, made a number of other significant steps, including the the um, use of the okay. So there is uh, there is that to actually um, bring in billions of dollars and to use that to support our activities and also bring debt down as well. All right, then, let's go to Anthony Green, who's got some more figures for us, Anthony. Director of Hastings, uh, down on the west, eastern side of the Mornington Peninsula. Neil Burgess is the retiring member, Bryony Hutton, the new Liberal candidate. And Paul Mercurio, people will know the name certainly, but 30 years ago, of course, he was the star of um, dancing of... Um, Strictly Ballroom. Strictly Ballroom. Ruin my line, Strictly Ballroom. So there's, there's Paul Mercurio. He's on one of the councils down there, so that's... a recruited uh, to be a candidate. Now, interesting, let's look at the first preference votes here. We've got three polling places. Paul Mercurio is ahead at this stage on first preference, substantially ahead. When we look at the change in vote, and this is corrected from where it's from, it's one of the few seats we've seen where Labor's votes up. Now, this is three polling places and Liberal votes well down. This may be a peculiarity of that, that, those polling places, but that's the most positive result we've seen for Labor yet at this stage. The two-party preferred swing at this stage is an estimate is 3.1% towards Labor. Now, it's only 2.4% counted. It's three primary booths out of 16, uh, but that's certainly an encouraging result for the Labor Party on first, first figures there. 
Now, the next seat I'm going to look at is Hawthorne, which is, of course, interesting. John Kennedy, the surprise victor from last time. John Pesuto, who's uh, decided okay, not to so appear that's... on our panel tonight. I think he, uh, <laughs> I then let's just see really what... Yeah, after losing your seat, you'd sort of think twice about appearing on a panel. And Melissa Lowe is the teal back to All right, so Hawthorne. Okay, so we're in Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, yeah so the, uh, yeah, the story of John Kennedy, that was a... That's an interesting, uh, interesting story there because apparently um, he lives in a retirement village and he only stood for Hawthorne because there was no one else in the branch who wanted to put their hand up at the last election and he won. So, but yes, okay, swim to independent. That is, that is interesting. And five, five percent counters. That's a little bit there. But Hawthorne is in the same part of the world where Josh Frydenberg, um, Josh Frydenberg, uh, the former federal treasurer. Uh, where his seat was of Kuyong, um, and he got uh, overtaken by a uh, by many crime and teal independent. Um, now, FFV. Don't know if that name rings a bell to you, but uh, FFV Family First Victoria. But look at this. Okay, so uh, Q. Okay, yeah. Tim Smith is retiring. Yeah, Tim Smith. I wish he. Okay, I'm just going to turn my camera for a sec. Give me a second, guys. Uh, enjoy the coverage. The green preferences and some of the others will favour Tawny over Skelton, which would get her into second place. So at this stage, it's difficult to, to make further predictions on that one. But that's just showing that we are getting numbers and there are some interesting looking figures already in some of these seats. Andy, thank you. Well, it's just over an hour, hour and 15 minutes since the polls closed. Just to give you the state of play, we are looking at about 2% of the vote counted statewide and Labor's, uh, the swing is against Labor of around 6.6%. Now, admittedly, a lot of that's coming in from these regional areas. Let's take a look at the tally board. You can see so far only one seat uh, has been lit up there. That's the seat of Lowen, which is a very safe National Party uh, seat. Uh, across the uh, state's largest seat, Richard, isn't it? Uh, on the border with South Australia, uh, is that right? Gippsland that, East. That, that or Gippsland East, right, yeah, okay. on the other side of the state. So, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's the only one uh, to light up so far. You'll see the rest of that tally board light up as more of those seats are confirmed on one side or the other. What we're looking for is whether seats are changing sides, whether the Coalition can snare any of those on the left of screen, on the Labor side of the screen. They will need 18 of them if they're going to form a majority government. Labor can afford to lose 11 before losing their majority. Then we're into the hung parliament territory we've been talking about and what happens then, we don't know. But right now there is a bit of a swing against Labor across the state. When you break it down and look in Melbourne itself, uh, it's only 1.3% of the vote counted in Melbourne and the vote's down about oh, just over 8% uh, for Labor. Very early figures, though, uh, at the moment. But uh, right now there perhaps would be a few nerves uh, for the Labor Party, but... Uh, too early to tell, uh, Tam, whether this is actually going to push their majority um, into contest. Absolutely. David Davis, just um, wanting to ask you, uh, after the fairly disastrous result at the federal election, we've been looking at the inner city seats in Melbourne uh, with Anthony. Do you suspect that Matthew Guy might experience the same kind of problem in inner city Melbourne? Uh, look, we'll wait and see. I should say in both, you know, and if you're thinking um, seats like Kew and Hawthorne, we've got some fine candidates there. Jess Wilson is a very active and hard-working candidate. I think you can, um, you know, really feel that she's engaging with the electorate. Um, and John Pesciuto has done an amazing job. His work ethic, his ability to engage, and I, you know, I was on the both Kew and Hawthorne booths today. I, I went to the Auburn 
uh, booth and saw both John and um, Betty, his, his wife, <coughs> and their campaign effort has been remarkable. It's interesting um, too to note as well, sorry to interrupt you there, but a lot of people have said to him at polling booths, I would never normally vote Liberal, but the way that you conducted yourself as you lost your seat live on air in 2018 has made me flip my vote. So his graciousness in defeat has actually won him a few fans. He, he's, uh, he's a statesman in, in many ways and I have um, huge respect for him. Uh, give a pep talk to the son. I go David Dave. Sim Smith, I had Sim Smith on the on the coverage just before. And Sim Smith, uh, he bad out of politics when he got drunk and crashed a car through a into a, into a kid's bedroom. Oh, not deliberately, thank, thank goodness. Um, and he was he was pressured by Matthew Guy to uh, you know basically get get the get out of dodge. Essentially, now uh, we did an episode on on this, and I made the point that I would like to have seen the electorate judge Tim Smith. But you reckon she's the right choice? Um, and I came out the night after that pre-selection. You know, but yeah. Uh, now I was going to say family, family first, Victoria. So this is something I, uh, yeah, I um, a little bit of research during the week where so there is there is a there is a party that is currently registered with the electoral commission called uh, family first party now they're not family first as in they're not the former they're not the the party that was that had a strong ties to Hillsong and you know the evangelical movement um, they're really however however the second incarnation of family first so the first the first incarnation was called family first this incarnation is called family first party I think they get abbreviated to family first uh, Victoria on this uh, on, on this uh, what do you call it you know the city I'm very fond of having lived there on this on this coverage and so it was actually started in South Australia again South Australia because South Australia seems to be this weird place where um, yeah fundamentalists because the original family first came from South Australia as well and they had a, a, a strong uh, a strong presence in 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 South Australia. Ah, uh, Ellen Sandel. Yes, uh, she is the yep Green Zephyr leader. And I've seen her face around because uh, she represents the electorate uh, where my workplace is. And so every time I go for a walk around the block, you get my coffee. There's uh, Ellen's Ellen's lovely face on a big cardboard. Core flute or whatever the whatever the heck you call it. And so yeah. Um yeah. So this uh saying so family first. Uh yes a. I suppose I was I wouldn't call them a direct. I suppose it's a spiritual reincarnation, like the an ideological reincarnation of the original family first.
Good evening, everyone. A high degree of pre-poll and postal voting in Caulfield last election made okay, for a so very, very long process. Uh, anyway. I don't imagine much has changed um, in that respect this time round. Yeah, I suppose uh, an ideological successor no, to the original family first. Around, and I the national director is none other than Lyle Shelton, who was the... who was the... Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, and he was also Fred Niles' chosen replacement to replace him in Parliament. Up until Fred Niles said, "No, no, I'm going to come back." I don't know. I don't know why Fred Niles said, "No, I'm not." Fred Niles in New South Wales was going to retire. Fred Niles had handpicked Lyle Shelton to. There's still another 5,000 um, Yeah, to be the, yeah, his handbook replacement in the upper house of New South Wales Parliament. Then he reneged and, anyway, so. I think Martin Isles is now the head of the, actually, let me double check. Martin Isles is the. How much of that overshadowed the campaign and actual focus on policy issues? Yeah, look, Richard, I think this was probably one of the... Okay, so Martin Niles is the uh, head of the Australian Christian Lobby, but then, hold on, let me just... Uh, something your party engaged in as well, though. Do you, do you accept that? Australian Christian Lobby. Because I was actually in touch with someone from the Australian Christian Lobby and it was not engaged and i think that's probably uh, it was not much in, in politics overall we've got to get away from the name calling okay. policy and, that and just do better we've all got to do better tell me who uh, actually runs the place one thing more than ever that i've learned from this campaign um, yeah, is okay. people are absolutely sick of that uh, and we saw it particularly in a seat like mine. Yeah. I said just because I actually invited the Australian Christian Lobby to uh, come on to, let's say, the Governor General, and they, they respectfully declined, which is all they have been allowed to. How did the um, Matthew guys however, however, um, yeah, they candidates won't be able to sit in the party room mainly yeah, because was, of their uh, religious beliefs. How has that played out? Trying to think who exactly it was. Concerned that Liberal Party is actually um, cracking down. Okay, on why are we getting? Uh, why are we getting that? Oh, look, I mean, I think. I think, you know, oh, okay. it doesn't really factor too much in this seat, you know, to be quite honest. I, I, I'm actually just going through some of the, uh, some of the emails that I've uh, missed for some reason. I think it wasn't actually in the... Uh, a lot of the stuff that it's being reported uh, wasn't actually in the uh, emails for... Okay, so... We saw a lot of people turn up and I think the people that had turned out early had made okay, their minds so up and were very determined. Wendy Francis is the and they, they made their decision. I think on today on is the today, national director for politics at uh, Australian uh, Christian Lobby. And yeah, so we emailed, we contacted. A lot of people um, yeah, we contacted uh, the ACL because we we recently did a uh, we recently did a twenty oh there's a fifth anniversary of the postal vote for same sex marriage and so Clancy interviewed Rodney Croom. Uh, if you go back, uh, we released that about a month and a half ago and. Uh, if there's yeah, one episode of ours that you listen to, I would suggest it is, it is that one. That, it, was a fan, it, was a fantastic, it was a fantastic interview. 
um, and like even like I edited so I edited it, put it together, and it was like just a really good. Um, yeah. And some had heard about our policies and, and, and yeah, had, it's uh, yeah, quite a uh, there. but um, but a certain quite a touching interview. Uh, I don't so, um, and this leads into a, 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 another rant about um, uh, the religious right in, in Victoria. So, Victoria has slowly become more and more, I uh, suppose, secular or atheist. Um, and over the years, there's been uh, so there's a bit of a push back against uh, policies that would be seen as favourable to the evangelical uh, evangelical cause, such as uh, gay and gender conversion therapy have been banned. Um, uh, abortion is, you know, fully, fully legal, uh, stuff like that. And, yeah, so, but in the Liberal Party of Victoria, there are numerous people associated with either the Mormons, uh, Hillsong, uh, yeah, like right-wing Pentecostalism. And if you were talking to me 10, 15 years ago, that would have been exactly up my alley now on the state of but um yeah okay so looking at looking at uh, anthony green's uh, coverage Ooh, okay so labor have so statewide labor have taken a hit because the nationals will not get 12.3 percent i'm just so three and a half percent counted this one which and uh, yeah so of course you can't really build up any uh Trending towards 36 liberals, 31 the nationals. Now, national yeah, the nationals. So if you had the liberals and nationals, you'll get close to yeah, 34 percent, which is um, others. I love to know who the others are. Trending to see the Greens are on 12 percent and others on 17.8. The change in vote that's occurring in the election is Labor votes well down. Yeah, Labor is though again i think uh, the, the nationals are uh, down 2.6 green vote up and others are up which is with so many candidates and so many third parties that have appeared at this election yeah that's not surprising um, i don't I'm mind if independents get into parliament um which i uh, one yeah it's uh, it's good to hold both parties uh, accountable especially the government of course uh, Bass, okay, yeah, so Bass is, yeah, oh, it's not Philip, maybe that covers Philip, uh, Philip Island. Aaron Brown is the son of the former member down there, Alan Brown, former Liberal leader. So Aaron Brown's the, so, the candidate. Yeah, so there is a, um, yes, an outer, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call Bass uh, Metropolitan. It's more of your sea change, sea change kind of, okay, so... And that's where the, the end of where the figures are from. Now, the one other thing about this election that struck me was that uh, the amount of uh, amount of uh, pre polling, amount of pre polling has been done because <laughs> yes, they were saying that apparently almost half of Victoria voted early. Um, I don't mean my wife did. Uh, Basically, the old Partly because uh, I have no inclination to stand around in line to, you know, look, I'm not worried about not worried about COVID. So I just haven't, you know, really don't want to stand in line. So, you know, uh, if I don't, if I can help it. Um, 
but also because um, out our way, there's very little any party can do to make us change our uh, change our mind. Um, as I said, in my part of the world, um, oh, look at Bayswater, holy, holy cheese balls, that is a... Uh, so LP have gone up 0.3%, Liberals down, oh, that's... That's nasty. Okay, so overall, the two-party... Okay. That's interesting. Bayswater is a very uh, very work... I shouldn't say lower class. I don't Sorry, I might do apologize. Working class. It's a very working class suburb. And I know that because I used to work work in Bayswater. And it's just a shitload of factories. That kind of stuff. Yan Yin Yan Yin is I that's up north. Up there for many 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 years. Uh, yep, towards uh, Seymour Shepherdon. All around there. So Daniel Green are retiring. Let's see what. Oh, very nice of Vladimir Putin to feel the pain of the uh, dead Russian soldiers. The, the mothers of the dead Russian soldiers. Oh, very nice. He's the one who sent them into war. <laughs> oh, holy cheese balls! That is a uh, that is that is frightening. <laughs> it's very. You know. um, okay, so in Yan Yan. Oh, yeah, so only. Six percent counter, but when you get disconnect, we've got four first preference polling places and only one with a preference count. You get that disconnect between the graph, but yeah, so we, we really are kind of coming in, coming in a little bit early. But this is uh, anyway, let's see what's happening on the uh. Exactly in real the old something we're waiting on. I'd also point out tonight we have actually made our predictive software more cautious because of this issue with a huge pre poll. Yeah, come in. Many of these seats will be indeterminate until we get the pre poll vote later in the evening. Thanks, Anthony. So we were seeing a big swing against mm -hmm. Labor there. I'm curious to know what you think of that cause Samaras over on the data desk. Yes, basically what we're seeing is swings to the Labor Party in what I would call the class of twenty fourteen seats. So these are seats that the Labor Party secured to win government in 2014. Uh, mainly uh, the what we we define as the Frankston line seats. So that's Mordialic, Alec, uh, Bentley, Carum, and Frankston. These seats, are all, and we'll go back to that demographic conversation we're having earlier tonight. These seats have changed over the last 20, 20, 20 years. But okay, that's years. Uh, very much now. Another, another child break. Years, again, millennial central. Uh, lots of young professionals have moved okay. these electorates. Uh, really don't know who this, uh... the local MPs, Labor MPs, are what um, on the Labor side of politics. So at this uh, very early stage, um, so it is the Liberal Party can on those numbers at the bottom of the screen, it's a bit of a whooping for Labor. On the swings we've seen so far, it is a complete whooping for Labor, but not quite a romp for the Liberals. Um, yeah. So all the polls have said you know, it is going to be close, but I, I've kind of learned to distrust polls. Um, ever since a particular election um, in... Ever since a particular election in the US uh, featuring a certain businessman vying for presidency, I've kind of learned to disregard polls. And then also uh, Scott Morrison with his fluke victory of uh, 2019 as well. Yeah, hello, 
I'm in the Melton Country Club where the uh, the party pies and sausage rolls have just been refreshed for oh, Melton. So this is a Steve McGee, the sitting Labor MP. Yeah, Melton is a very interesting, uh, very interesting. Electorate. So it's in in the western part of Melbourne, which is you know very rusted on Labor. But the coverage and the the number of candidates to try unseat the uh, yeah that they feel hard done by. Uh, I think there was apparently a hospital that was meant to be built. Uh, they didn't get a hospital. Infrastructure bill and over $3 billion of infrastructure bills right through that four-year period. Yeah, that includes and the money committed. Yeah, the so was, I think there was, the there was a snake handler who was uh, you know, on, on the ballot for Melton. This is how, how weird, how weird it's got. But, yeah, so I'll be very interested to see. So, but, yeah, so the West, West suburbs of Melbourne, very, very rusted on, very, uh, yeah, very, very much labour Heartland. Oh, well, I think okay. I've sold what I've done so far, but there's more to sell. Uh, and we'll continue to do that, and I'll work extremely hard. Now, there are 14 candidates on the ballot. It's That's going to make things quite tricky. What impact do you think that will have on the vote? Oh, well, clearly people spread their vote over those 14 candidates, and, and a number of those candidates didn't even appear throughout the pre-poll period and things like that. So I think in some cases... Yeah, you know, some people will gravitate towards the one-liner or things like that. So I think what it does, um, it will spread some of the vote, and that'll have an effect on all of us, you know, the major parties and, and the senior independents. Those how-to-vote cards that those independents were handing out, they didn't favour you. A lot of them, the vote went to the Liberal candidate before you. Do you think that could cost you? Oh, well, certainly that will favour the Liberal Party. Obviously, uh, the independents haven't you know, preferenced me. I'm a bit surprised with some of them in doing that, given that they know that we're delivering on some of the things, in particular the things that they are advocating for, you know, health, education, roads, jobs, and we're delivering on that, and they didn't preference us. We heard Cos say earlier about the impact that the lockdowns had, particularly in, in, in parts of Melbourne. Um, that certainly was a factor here in Melton, wasn't it? Oh, well, it's been a factor across the state. But again, it was about keeping people safe. And we've kept hundreds of thousands of people safe, you know, and reduced the numbers of deaths and things like that. So it was important that those sorts of things had to happen. All right, happen. so I just got my uh, video but today, I felt pretty confident off, just so you don't see uh, yeah, the, in the background. If you didn't listen to a podcast, that is uh, that podcast there. Here on the screen, yeah, Melton's a bit of a... Thank you. So it is, like, cut rusted on labour, but... Here we got four polling places in, in Hastings. And if okay, so this one is okay. Hastings. Oh, hey, geez, that's a that's nice and uh, that's nice and close. Um, yeah, so Paul McCurry, you may have seen that name because he was uh, was an actor. Um, he's now become a politician. Uh, Bruni Hutton. Now, there's a that name's been in the news because she also has ties to uh, right wing. Uh, <coughs> yeah, this is Christian evangelicalism. Um, so just on five point four percent. Jeez, so, okay, that's uh, we're seeing, this is one of the few hardly anything there. With a significant count. One yeah, of the so we'll see how all the, uh, the party, but yeah, almost everywhere there seems to be a swing. To, to okay, um, so in Hastings, that's you swing towards. But they are, would say for the Labor Party, would be very encouraging first figures. There you go, Paul Mercurio. Early figures looking so quite early, encouraging. If you win tonight, early figures be on on that Labor 13, Liberal Nationals 10. 
Well, I think um, we've got the CD or the DVD of you know Love Is in the Air here at the moment, and uh, we'll put it on. But someone did say I would definitely win if I put uh, had a truck going around just playing it around the neighbourhood. Okay, so I was getting uh, the, the five seconds of fame. Well. I'm not sure. Back around there. Did you consider Hastings for Hastings as your slogan? Look, um, look, they called the Battle of Hastings, so that's fantastic. But Scott Hastings for Hastings, it's a no-brainer. I, sh I always should have uh, run. I guess this is this is my life's work from now on, I guess. I guess being more serious now, why, why have you got engaged in politics? Why have you put your hand up to run for Parliament after your, your previous career? You know, sometimes I think as a dancer, you're so used to being out there in front of the public and as an actor, and you, I have a voice, and you're using that voice to um, to help people, whether it's a play, a, a movie, a musical, okay. you're, you're bringing, you're giving something. No one so that's is... Sort of uh... who I am. So when I find something or, or that I, I I feel like I should oh. put my hand up and help change, such as this community... Okay, so uh, ALP have got up to 16 seats. I think it's time it sort of got a fair oh, share. Mosquitoes. And so I go, right, I'll put my hand up. I don't necessarily no, mosquitoes, but yeah. want to be a, you know, a career politician, but I certainly want to work and help this community to become you know, the community that it, it can be. It's, it sounds very much like an independence uh, pitch you've just made, but you've, you've put your hand up for the Labor Party. Why them? Uh, look, I wouldn't have had the career I had without the Labor Party because the Labor Party, both federal and state, are the only people that really support uh, the performing arts. So I've always been uh, Labor. I, you know, I completely uh, love their. Well, it's a very generalisation. I love their their policies, but the way they treat women, the women equality, uh, the whole um, mental health. You know, there's all of those reasons that I align with Labor. Um, and you know, on the on the street, it's all about the relationship between people one on one. So if that sounds a little bit independent, that's fine because it's about talking to the individual and listening to you know your community. You're a councillor in Mornington Shire area. That area was was part of the lockdown and there was a lot of resentment there because some people are quite rural communities. Has that been a challenge for you to try and convince people in that area to vote Labor given lockdowns? You know, there's certainly that anti-lockdown. People are scared about going back, you know, and I don't think we will, and it'll take another 100-year sort of event, I guess. But at the end of the day, there are people that were, were upset and angry about that and perhaps how the Labor Party dealt with it. But as equal as that, there are plenty of people out there that said we needed a strong leader, we needed guidance, and we needed to... Uh, hey, Dan, and that's a uh, yeah, very, very no, Labor sure electorate if it's, if it's down there. Eureka. Eureka is, yeah, Ballarat. That's another. Yeah. Uh, so far, it's hard to say because early, early, very early counts, but. Uh, ALP on, uh, on 16 seats. Uh, those numbers are. Uh, yeah. Like 12% counted. Um, looking like another Labor, a Labor win, but you never quite, you never quite know. Uh, in many areas, and you know, come back. Uh, I, I actually think that um, the pre-poll was very, very strong for us, and you could feel it on the pre-poll. Okay, and, so this um, is uh, I think that Hawthorne. There will be two classes of votes Ooh, okay, here. Okay, that's uh, interesting. 
voting day, the independent in Hawthorne is, is uh, will the head. Lara sort of Lara is uh, towards Geelong. That's uh, yeah, said Labor Labor Heartland. Would be surprised. Uh, Result there. Lawn. Yeah, that is. That's Western Victoria. Well, it's certainly true, and I actually agree with some of the comments made on air before that. Be very surprised if that one. Primary vote. Okay, so Labor's primary vote looks like it's down seven and a half percent. Which uh, the problems of coalition's primary vote has gone down. In the case of Yan Yin, I think we I'm just talking. Um, think that there's been very significant. Well, to anyone who might be listening, there. Richard Welch, our candidate there, is very impressive, uh, hardworking, and we think there's been a significant. You know, before the election, we could actually feel there's a significant move. And now our polling was showing that. Okay, Murray and, claims yet so national. So yeah, the the, the stuff that filtered back to me, Labor thought there was a significant the, move. Now, whether it's the exact number that's nationals of obviously the, the country country party but, um, um, certainly um, significant um, okay. concern so registered that's, uh, in that area interesting. and um, we'll see where the okay liberal retain there uh, poll I'm not sure that is actually where that is those areas and going back earlier Ripon um, there's you know I, I think uh, there's Ringwood. a reason for hope okay, which the is Pian, uh, um, situation a little, there's significant a bit of surprise. movement we're getting on the phones in Brighton I, I'm hearing a significant um, with Victoria towards the us as well. Elections roughly come down to a swathe of seats uh, in the well. Okay, we said at the start of the night that we suburbs. might see a patchwork of results, and it really looks that way. Let's go to Anthony Green. Uh, not, al for the not always, but well, it's yeah, uh, like you generally said. So you generally have the um, ALP who control the, north the, north the west, northern and western suburbs of, of Melbourne. Very, very few um, you have Liberals who control the inner east and some of the outer east. Then the Liberals tend to, Liberals and Nationals tend to have most of the regional seats. That shows you two Melbournes in terms of swing. Regional Rural, though Labor have a couple have of those, a couple of those as well, and so it's a handful of these swing seats in the outer east and metropolitan of Melbourne that tends to define elections. It's gone and chosen that because that's what I asked for. Oh, East Melbourne, let's see what East Melbourne has. 35.5 for Labor, 29.9 Liberals, currently 4% for the Nationals. That error is correcting up, so that's getting the Liberals and Nationals of coalition up towards 34%. That's sort of like what we saw with News Poll, but okay, so you get Liberals and so anyone who may be confused, the Liberals and Nationals are actually two different parties, but they do have, they do form a coalition. Totals again, which break it up a bit more. Two point four with Animal Justice, one point eight Freedom Party, three point two Family First, and nine point four generically with others. So there's a significant vote there. News News Poll picked up a Freedom Party number on those in the poll today and it then, said okay like so it, it like 11 for, for, for greens yeah and so that, that is fairly close so 30 34 35 yeah, be. Um, however if uh, labor so do get we haven't got a full story uh, less so if labor get more seats in the liberal but not enough to form a not enough to deliver a change of government to form government early figures there's no sign yet of a change of government in these numbers but okay. it's also not exactly clear what we're seeing in terms of who will form the government. And there's a lot of seats where there's a lot of candidates, you know, your Mulgraves, your Meltons, where we're seeing very few figures. Just, Andy, just remind okay, us so what it would uh, take. So there is a swing towards Liberals, though, not as much it's as uh, what? Percent. Now, the one thing uh, I would say, if all that swing what, what is... What wanted, but yeah, um, what was, what was I going to say?
whatever the statewide swing is, um, a lot of it's going to be concentrating on the seats. Liberal Party, Labor may waste some of this vote, waste some of that swing. Uh, you know, um, use up some of that swing yeah, so Liberal and National lose. Party are actually two different the parties. The, 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 the National so Party have the their so core big. base the and the their only constituency the is uh, the re regional and rural majority, parts of the state. Much smaller elsewhere. So, the so if they only get 4%, impact. well, that's 4% of the statewide vote government. a handful of seats. So most of the seats are concentrated in metropolitan regions. And you know, they'll be yeah. better for the uh, for the coalition. So is that about yeah, stress too that much? Right, but at the moment, the swing yeah, LNP means the, Liberal the National Party, the coalition. Moment, that's what the swing coalition looks like. Now, so 2.9% swing, swing too, which is not enough to deliver government, but was so good we'll for the Liberal how, Party in the Nationals last time. But it doesn't factor in. There's a lot more of them this time, and and so that's that's why it's very hard. It's very. If you remember the federal election, yeah, I would like to see change government just because eight years of the same people aren't. Oh, with pre -polls and, and, the WA. and WA. So that's why... It was like that the with the Liberal like government. You sit there normally and say, so well, like gosh, another I think it's a much patchier result. So, so I really don't want to wake up the Dan hangover, but look, the democracy is democracy. Doesn't it? Now, the level of voter disengagement in this election is something that's been remarked on quite a bit, particularly by our Labor do get in. I don't want to hear anyone complaining about interpreting your first, though, Bridget. Which of the campaign pledges actually cut through to voters, even though there was this real sense of disengagement? I think for the coalition, probably the, the biggest uh, yes, one and the most easiest one to remember yeah, was dis, the $2 public transport um, fare. So yeah, we saw the opposition leader promise to we are cut increasingly all being dis, uh, increasingly disengaged from politics. And also half um, of fares. I remember oh, on the sorry. day that was announced, I headed to Flinders yeah, Street just Station not a... to ask people what they thought about that policy. And four people told me that they would change their vote um, to vote for the party that had this policy. So I think that could be a real vote winner for commuters. Okay, so Morty Alec. Morty Alec is uh, in a in a southeast. So Matthew Guy's promising free um, school lunches for all yeah. public schools, and that's one that they actually want to see more out of campaign. southeast, which is yeah towards Labor, Labor, Labor heartland. Yeah, Nepean though. Morty Alec and Nepean are right next to each other, but Liberals are somewhere one Nepean. Polworth. I guess Polworth is. They can talk about how they're doing this stuff for climate change in the outer suburbs, in the regions where the State Electricity Commission was and where a lot of people were employed by that. That's also a vote winner there as well. And another one that's cutting through is the $250 power saving bonus. The Premier announced this first last year. Um, he obviously, it's obviously worked in, in their minds. Because uh, okay, so Polworth is actually southwest, southwest coast. So, that's a so it basically, uh, I'm just trying to say, yeah, it takes in, doesn't quite take in Warrnambool, it takes in the Anglesey, Colac, I think Mortlake as well, yeah, that kind of, you know, yeah. So, interesting with that, okay, where was it? Roeville, can't see what Tony Barry has to say for himself. Uh, where are we? Okay, so we've gone back to 11.4% count. I thought we had 12. Um, this is the fun of doing a live stream and having people looking at. Okay, so Shepparton. Okay, so Liberals. 
No? Okay. On the theme of uh, the pre-polls, and I know that's been um, something we've all talked about quite a lot tonight. Okay. If you look at the Mont Albert branch in Wendery. Brazil, okay, that's the Ballarat. Uh, in 2018, uh, 1,531 votes. Okay, now it's a 13.4% counted. <laughs> counted. So it's a fall of 45%. Love, love in Hastings, the Balnaring branch. Okay, uh, Ashwood. Oh, Ashwood is... Uh, Yoink, that is uh, 51.49. drop of 60%. Yep. So um, while some of the numbers aren't looking great yeah, at the moment for the coalition, uh, the pre-polls... What a... We would have to come home with a really anyway, good sale. I might actually... Uh, those pre-polls. Okay, but Benambra, yep. Jumping to any conclusion. Benny goes east. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, Benny goes very strong Labor. Labor, Labor territory. Uh, it's in terms of the drift away from Labor. It might be the first brick in the red wall mm. to fall. The other big change in Melton okay, has been so... lives there now. Can you talk to the demographic change there? Yep. Basically, Labor does well, or has done well historically in, in these sort of growth corridor seats where uh, there are younger people that are moving into the electorate from Ooh, diverse okay. backgrounds. Afghanistan veterans are ordered just where the minerals after broken inquiry. Interesting, interesting. So, okay, so Labor's primary vote down seven, seven and a half. Yeah, that's a bit of a bit of a whack, I have to say. But <laughs> coalitions is down. That's very not what they were expecting as well. And the Greens are up. Okay. What do you know? What do you know? Is relying on to actually survive but yeah, look, a, a, a parliament of independence and would be very interesting. And the others here, 6.4 up. Right, and also the Okay, Caulfield. Yeah, Caulfield's a bit of a... Okay, so the deputy leader has just scraped in 48-51. Clorinda, Clorinda is, yeah, that's Clayton, which is, yeah, very, that's very strong Labour territory there. I remember from my time when I used to live. Live that way, Dandenong. Yep. Yeah, like very working class. Very, very working class. Eltham. Okay. Okay. ALP win Eltham. Eltham is like the. Oh, here we go. Ah, yeah. So this is. Ah, yeah. Eltham is full of, you know, tree change, so you know, rich tree change people. Okay, so that's 15% uh, counted and the Libs are ahead. That is interesting, interesting. Well, I suppose we can't, can't really see much until we get to uh, yeah, close 30 to really give a good indication. But on these, okay, that's a swing, but we're not doing any projections in that electorate, so it's a, a little difficult to determine. But at the moment, oh, AJP Faith Fuhrer, there's a that would not be the name I would have to try to convince the electorate of Hawthorne to vote for me. Okay, Nepean, uh, okay, so yeah, Nepean is a uh, deep Mornington kind of way. We can definitely chalk down as a liberal gain. Uh, we've got 15 percent counted we've got um, preferences in five of the so where they had paul mercurio on before really reliable, um, he is in the electorate of hastings and hastings and nepean are right next to each other so it is interesting how uh, the well limbs are uh, about to the strong green vote there 
Um, get. Yeah. Get the seat. But okay, so an eight percent swing. Holy, holy cheese balls! That's uh. That is a uh, that is a swing. Swing that occurred to Labor this time. I mean, the Liberals. Sam Groth is probably the highest profile recruit. Yeah, Andy Green. Anthony Green is correct. Yeah, Sam Groth is a high profile. He was a former former professional tennis player. Ringwood. Okay, so your Ringwood is. I can see on this. Uh, map here so where I'm moving on mouse around there is this whole swathe of seats that tend to define elections so around there yeah, if these the way these way those seats move tend to influence and you can see he's ahead on first preferences and well okay so okay there's there's a name Cynthia Watson Cynthia Watson is actually a high profile Mormon Factoring where the preferences um, are from, we've got eight preference counts at the moment. Glossy bites, gosh darn it. Remember that graph um, I showed a few months ago? Yeah, and this is one of the things I was uh, saying about the uh, influence the of conservative Christianity in. In politics, um, yeah. So the Liberal Party have tried to downplay the fact that she is a you know high-profile Mormon, but yeah. No, I don't think she was parachuted in, but yeah, I think there was also a thing where she wasn't really a. Thank you, Richard. What are you making of all that? Active in the local community. I was reading somewhere. Not the anyway. Don't want to say too much there, but anyway. Uh, let me. I'm just on a Google search on Cynthia Watson. Uh, the first three auto searches are Cynthia Watson Ringwood, Cynthia Watson Mormon, Cynthia Watson Liberal Party. So let's go Cynthia Watson Mormon. Well, okay. Back in January, they were trying to. Uh, David Davis, what do you have to say about that? I think we'll wait for the posters okay. and the pre-polls. I think it is interesting. A of a Let's just see what. And, um, okay, so I'm reading from uh, news-au.churchofjesuschrist.org. Uh, this was okay back in 2016. Cynthia Watson, a member of the Fairfield Ward Congregation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, was recently elected councillor to the Burundara City Council in eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Against what you've been saying, that the Liberal Party is coming home with a wet. So yeah, she is a yeah a member of the uh, more of the of the Mormons. Party people are reporting hugely positive. Uh, let me just see if I can find uh, uh, that nothing there. Means deliberative decisions oh, hold on. I thought I saw a. Did I see a name? Forward, and especially where in some electorates you've got 60% uh, okay. of people no, fine. Uh, voting so before or with postals, you're left with 40%. Uh, that are making the okay. On the day. I think you could Back to David Davis, 13.5% uh, uh, counted. On, uh, um, looking like a we'll sort of going for Dan Hangover. Uh, 19% counted, and uh, yeah. Southwest. Let's get an update before we talk to him from Anthony on how. Ah, okay. This is uh, this is interesting. Uh, Tim Palace, uh, well, I think he was actually the treasurer very um, of. Uh, <laughs> 
Jeez, they've started late. It's almost 8 o'clock and they've only counted a uh, 0.2%. Oh, okay. Um, family first have got 7%. Holy yolly, cheese balls. That's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, um, I would have thought they would have got rid of Tim Palace. That's uh, interesting because I know some years ago, they, uh, the, the, Victorian government wanted oh, well, to build uh, a uh, a prison and, in uh, Werribee, and that uh, very quickly the, got shot uh, down. And uh, the uh, votes are counted, but I, I think so, uh, I'm getting yeah. increasingly confident with the uh, um, word that I'm hearing back from my scrutineers uh, in a number of booths here. Now that ah, uh, so he's actually uh, at Werribee, uh, Werribee Oval, or Werribee Football so, Ground. Uh, I recognise uh, that. Have, uh, uh, with the numbers the as they're coming in at the moment. Uh, we're not seeing any substantial deterioration in our primary vote. So, uh, we're yeah. not seeing any substantial... Oh, look, it looks like we're having a, a Dan hangover. Anyway, I might actually... Uh, uh, we were planning a post-mortem uh, tomorrow night. So, Aaron, look, okay, look, looks like we're having a, a Dan hangover, but I'll, uh, yeah, Aaron, I'm going to end the stream here. Look after yourself, stay safe, be lovely, all that kind of stuff. Treasurer Richard Willingham here. Did all this, I guess, hype about... In history's page, let every stage advance Australia fair. In joyful strains, then let us sing, advance Australia.